Welcome to episode 186 of the Grip Strip Podcast. The timing is everything episode of the Grip Strip Podcast, and we'll definitely lean into that further here in just a few moments. My name is Philip Matthew. I'm your host. I'm with my co-host, the iRacing Indy 500 champion, computer genius, a gentleman and a scholar, and also a happy Jacksonville Jaguars fan with the destruction of the Indianapolis Colts in week one. His name is Joshua Fine. What's going on, man? And doing great, Phil. Of course, um, yeah, timing is everything, as we're going to find out um, so much. I mean, even comedic timing is everything right now. So, um, yeah, the Jaguars win week one. We'll get into it later. Uh, yeah, me and you are in the team of uh, people that are club of people that are one and zero in the NFL. So, uh, always good to be one and zero in week one. Um, so we're either going to the Super Bowl or, you know, you're not going to the Super Bowl. That's who, that's who you are. You're either 1-0 or 0-1. So yeah. um, there's that. And, of course, a lot of the racing action, of course, that we'll get into. So, yeah, ready to get into it. Yeah, the football never never fails in terms of drama and in hilarity. Uh, we're doing this show live during Monday Night Football when Ayahuasca literally didn't get through two drives and his leg is fucked. So um, for all the people who are Jets fans, I'm sorry. Uh, it's uh, pretty bad. Uh, Mike Greenberg probably is looking to hang himself, so there won't be anybody hosting uh, Get Up tomorrow. Uh, he's probably on. He probably needs to be put in a rubber room after that tackle. Uh, this is unbelievable. But, I mean, at least Brees Hall's looking good. He had a big run there. Okay, so... In other news, uh, timing is everything. Yes, in a carnage-filled, absolute cluster of an IndyCar season finale, uh, the GOAT, Scott Dixon, ended up uh, recovering from an early race penalty that, uh, in an incident that really he didn't cause and came back to win his third race in the last four races to end the season uh, at Laguna Seca. We'll get into all the details, and Scott McLaughlin was quoted as saying he had everything but the lottery. He wasn't the only one. The pace car was out there so long they had to go and top it off with gas. Uh, that's how long they spent out there because of IndyCar's insanely long yellows. Tyler Reddick benefited from Denny Hamlin being asleep at the wheel to go on a green-white checker to go and take uh, the 45 team in 23-11 into the second round of the uh, NASCAR playoffs uh, with his second win of 2023 third different driver to drive the 45 car at Kansas and win in the last, whatever, two years. And um, going to Bristol, it's uh, a little definite drama. There's been a lot of issues for the for the uh, playoff drivers over the first two weeks. Getting all that. We'll get into Xfinity and trucks. Um, John Hunter Nemechek wins his sixth race of 2023 in Xfinity. Christian Eckes uses a last lap three wide pass to win uh, in the truck series and advance into the next round. You know, we'll get into NFL week one. If you're in a fantasy, J.K. Dobbin and J.K. Dobbins or Aaron, uh, you're looking for options. If you're not a fan of teams like the Jaguars or the 49ers and you're possibly a fan of the Giants or, or a fan of the Bengals after Joe Burrow threw for 84 yards or 82 yards yesterday, uh, it's pretty bad. Um, unless there was a personal foul and uh, Zach Wilson just went and threw an interception to Matt Milano. There ain't going to be enough beer at uh, 
at MetLife to go and get most of those Jets fans through the rest of this game. Uh, busy roundup. We'll talk about MotoGP and Moto2 at Misano, uh, World Endurance Championship at Fuji, the Indy Next Finale at Laguna, World Superbikes in Manny Core, the Acropolis Rally, and basically Cali Rovampera putting himself smack dab right in line for a second consecutive world championship. Super Motocross opened their three-race playoffs last week at Z-Max Dragway. They'll be racing at Chicago Land Speedway this weekend. The NHR will open at Maple Grove. The Extreme Amazon Expri in Sardinia uh, will be this weekend, so first race in a few months. IMSA will run with all their classes in a um, sprint, two-hour, two 45-minute sprint uh, at Indianapolis Motor Speedway as a lead-up to uh, an eight-hour race next year on the IMSA calendar for the Endurance Cup. And then the supercars, uh, the traditional Sandown 500 comes back after three years away from the three or four years away off the calendar. So it's uh, the first of the two Enduros uh, here. We'll preview and make picks behind fish lips for the Singapore Grand Prix. Uh, maybe Checo, who's the street course uh, master, pulls a shocker, but I doubt it. Uh, NASCAR will have a trip letter at Bristol. Josh will let us know all things going on in I, in gaming and sim racing and, and iRacing in his sim segment. We'll close the deal. So we'll get into football later, but we'll give you some live updates anyways. Uh, first things first is the IndyCar series at Laguna Seca. Uh, they had new pavement uh, put down, and uh, it definitely made the track four seconds faster in qualifying. And... Uh, it was an insane race weekend, a lot of accidents, a lot of a lot of people making mistakes. And then once you got into it further, you'd take in a lot of guys just really driving over their heads because they knew it was the end of the season. Um, it, was, it was a crazy race, to be honest. Uh, Scott Dixon, in the end, gets his third win of 2023, a third of his last third win in the last four races by 7.31 seconds over his fellow Kiwi, Scott McLaughlin, who started the race on the front row. Uh, we'll get into the initial incident. Had to come from tailback uh, to get back up there. Ended up finishing third in points in the process. And Alex Pillow, uh never finished worse than eighth in any race in the 2023 season. Rounds out his championship-winning campaign uh, with a third-place finish. Will Power for the first time in 16 years, did not win an IndyCar race, which is pretty crazy. Um, Callum Eilat gets his second top five of the year and also gets attacked by the Argentinian, uh, the Argentinian uh, the, the country of Argentina on social media because they assume that he went and ran into um, his teammate, uh, what's it called, Augustin Canapino. For, so it's pretty bad uh, how social media is, but then we we already know that. It's kind of how toxic our world has become. Christian Lundgaard, Alexander Rossi, Marcus Armstrong, who hit a lot of people uh, this year, including causing incidents early in this race, wins Rookie of the Year, finishes 8th, Pato Awards, slips back, finishes ninth, and Ryan hunter in what likely will be his last full-time, pseudo-full-time appearance of his career, from 25th to 10th at uh, Laguna Seca. Now, 14 cars ended up on the lead lap. Grosjean, Stingray Rob with his best finish 
of what likely is his last IndyCar race for a while. Uh, Elio Castroneves in his last full-time appearance finishes 13th, and Augustin Canapino uh, finished 14th. But uh, I think the story of the race was really the amount of caution. They spent 35 of the races, 95 laps under yellow. Uh, there was, uh, I mean, there, there's, and these cautions took really a long time. I mean, yeah, to take five laps, three, like every caution was no less than three laps, but then they, a caution with a one car involved should not take three laps. I'm sorry. It's whatever, but it's IndyCar. What do you expect? And then also IndyCar um, decided to throw a yellow um, and affect the race itself. Of course, Alex Below being who he is, didn't let it phase him, and he still came back to finish on the podium, but consistently inconsistent. That's what you got to love with IndyCar race control. I mean, the opening start, uh, you had Colton Hurd a jump to start. They didn't call him on it, and Will Power also went out of line. Uh, but came back in. They didn't call Herta for that. Then uh, you had, uh, what's it called? Christian Lundgaard, Scott McLaughlin, I think got together. Lundgaard got loose, got into Scott McLaughlin. That led into Joseph Newgarden going and getting taken off, which included the likes of Yuri Vips and uh, Marcus Armstrong. That was the first of two incidents that, Marcus Armstrong kind of triggered and then um, took out Kyle Kirkwood, you know, Vips Kirkwood, Tom Blomquist, and Graham, Graham Rehall to open the race. Uh, it was an absolute ins insane start. I mean, the first 10 laps, they spent eight of the first 10 laps under yellow. Um, New Garden's final, the final race of the season for New Garden was an absolute nightmare. Uh, but at least he won the Indianapolis 500. Uh, um and then there was a divergent strategies that took place. Scott Dixon got penalized, had to come in, and then had to go and go off sequence, which in turn helped him out uh, later in the race. Alex Pillow was well on his way to going off and probably winning yet another race. He led 51 of the race's 95 laps. And then they had, uh, so there was two divergent strategies both Ganassi guys, where Ganassi guys are on one side of each, they were they had one of each. But in the end, Scott Dixon gets yet another victory uh, in what was an insane, one of the most insane IndyCar races in recent memory, and a lot of angry people leaving, uh, and a lot of damaged race cars leaving at uh, Laguna Seca. I think Delara had an over under or something for a quota that they had to hit, and I think they probably did, between the IndyCar and the Indy Lights race. So, uh, I don't know. What did you... Uh, what were your uh, takeaways, Josh, from this last race of the season? Um, the culmination, the coronation for Alex Pillow's second IndyCar title, and Scott Dixon showing once again why he is a GOAT. Well, I mean, you know, there's a lot there, and I think, you know, first of all... Um, it was probably the most chaotic race that we've seen this year on road courses. Um, you know, there was just a, a lot that was happening and, you know, arguably the, probably the most chaotic race of the year. And um, if you, well, I feel like the Indy 500 was also very chaotic, but that was only like the last, you know, quarter of the race that was like that. But, um, you know, this one just like had everything, you know, for whatever lack of action or, you know, lack of cautions that, you know, happened throughout the year, you know, obviously, you know, IndyCar, you know, as of late until this one had been 
you know, fairly clean in their racing and, you know, everything. And well, now they got all the, they got all in the yellows that they could to end the year. Uh, so, you know, definitely, you know, a lot of stuff that happened and it seemed like every time you looked up at the race, there was a yellow happening or there was the, the opening, you know, laps or, you know, in the middle of the race and then just looking up and seeing Colton Herta and Elio Castroneves just taking out each other in turn three, you know, and everything and lap 75. So yeah, just a lot of stuff there. But, um, you know, I really thought that Alex Plow, like once he got into the lead, um, yeah, I really thought that it was, you know, it was just going to be like, you know, he's going to close out the year with another victory and everything. And of course, you know, that didn't happen. And, um, you know, he was, you know, obviously up there for quite a while, but, you know, I think the strategy kind of changed. And then, um, you know, Pelot, even though he had good pace, um, you know, ends up, you know, going to pit and, you know, with uh, Dixon, you know, taking his, you know, different strategy, I think, Obviously, I think the cautions helped, you know, all of a sudden, you know, once again, Dixon finds himself in the lead at the end of the race. And, um, you know, just um, a lot of things that could have happened there. I mean, you had um, Pato Award was in the lead for quite a bit and, you know, he had had opportunities to lead. I thought he was going to like, I you know, look up seeing Pato Award uh, being in the lead. I thought, oh, well, maybe he might win the final race and that didn't happen. So, um yeah, just a lot, a lot of uh, chaos that happened in this final uh, IndyCar race, and um, you know, then Polo on his strategy, uh, you know, st- fell back to the back half of the top ten uh, in this in this race, but you know, he came back and he only did two pit stops too, but um, fought back to get third and get on the podium. So, um, still a, a great finish, but you know, obviously uh, ran out of time there to you know, be able to catch, uh, Scott Dixon and, you know, still by 10 seconds. So, um, so definitely still a lot there, but, uh, I mean, I think, I think the running order, you know, at different points of the, the race is just, you know, there's a lot, a lot of movement throughout there and this, you know, compared to what we've seen, you know, as of late and especially, you know, with a, a repave race, you know, being that they just repaved the, uh, Laguna Seca course, um, you know, definitely made for, uh, quite an quite an event to close out the season. So, um, yeah, definitely a lot of cautions there that I think shouldn't have uh, been cautions. Um, you know, one for driving standards, and then two also. You know, I agree with you on race control, but yeah, I you know to close out the season, uh, this race definitely had everything, and you know, gonna have to say that you know definitely gonna miss seeing IndyCar you know until next year. So, um, unfortunately, it's one the first major series that you know we cover on here to end. Uh, in 2023 so you know we'll pick it back up for this one you know starting i mean we'll talk about it later on but in retrospect but you know talking about the race itself and you know it being on you know gonna gonna be a long couple of months until march for sure yeah and unfortunate that's one of the unfortunate things about the indycar calendar they haven't fixed it and uh they don't seem like they're gonna fix it oh man is that another one Oh, he missed that touchdown. But uh, uh, for IndyCar, they're going to open their season in early March at St. Petersburg, and now they've announced that they're going to have a million-dollar uh, winner-take-all event at the Thermal Club in Palm Springs uh, next year in between the first and second races of the season to fill that gap that they were hoping to fill with Laguna Seca. Um, instead, they're going to go and put it there. They're going to race Laguna in June which I don't think is very smart, but, you know, 
it's going to be really freaking hot. That's for sure. Um, so that'll be something. They haven't announced the schedule officially, but we'll probably see that in the next few weeks. Uh, that million dollar winner take all deal. We still have some sponsorship announcements that are going on and some driver movement that is to be uh, taken care of. But the vast majority of the big rides are all uh, accounted for. Um, it's really the smaller teams right now that have vacancies. So the Dale Coyne, Ed Carpenter, Junko uh, Solander of the world, that's who's uh, looking for people uh, here as we move forward. The, all the major teams have their cars. I mean, we don't know what Andretti's going to do with the 29 car, if they're going to stay, keep it around or not, as now that they're Andretti Global. Um, Ganassi will stay with four cars full-time. Uh, Linus Lundqvist coming in full-time. Marcus Armstrong going to run full-time and will be a rookie on ovals. And then, of course, you have your foundation with Scott Dixon and Alex Pillow. And then in Penske, they're not going to make any changes, at least for 24. But you have to start looking at what their the future is for the likes of Will Power, especially uh, Scott McLaughlin now and wanting to go and take that next step, finish third in points this year, uh, wanting to finally go and get rise above and get that championship and get in the Indianapolis 500 as well. So, and then Andretti Autosport, they're they're banking on Colton Herta and Kyle Kirkwood, and now they have a veteran presence in Marcus Erickson coming in uh, to uh, be the third driver there. So that'll be something to look at. But we'll get into it more later in the in the year once we do our season recaps. A lot to get into, especially with Alex Pillow and the drama that took place with him. But when it came to his uh, how he did on the racetrack, there definitely wasn't any drama. He made it uh, pretty straightforward, to say the least. All right, so let's move uh, move forward into the um, NASCAR triple header at Kansas, Kansas, which was one of the a track that I'm I've said for many years is one of my least favorite tracks. It's actually become one of the only good tracks they have in on in nascar uh because of it you can actually race multiple grooves and pass and all kinds of things and which is amazing uh it's shocking but you know i guess a squirrel has to find a nut once in a while um in terms of uh that i mean tyler reddick as i mentioned gets the victory in the hollywood casino 400 uh it wasn't it wasn't a straightforward deal for Tyler Reddick to win the race. I mean, he was up there most of the day. He only led two laps, but in the end, timing, as I said, timing is everything. He was up there in that green-white checkered restart and was able to um, make the passes necessary to win the deal. You had uh, Denny Hamlin finish second. Kyle Larson led the most laps in one stage, one finished fourth. So Reddick, Hamlin, Eric Jones, another top five, another top ten here, a resurgence from Legacy Motor Club all of a sudden in the last few weeks. Kyle Larson, Joey Logano uh, finishes fifth, largely because he stayed out on two tires, took only two tires, uh, because if he hadn't done that, he was probably going to finish 15th. He was going to lose a lot more points. Uh, William Clyde Elliott, the second, raging against uh, Kyle Larson late in the race, having other issues going on, uh, but finished sixth. Kyle Busch from 35th to 7th. Christopher Bell started on pole, continues to have issues on pit road. 
Brad Keselowski won stage two, finished ninth, and Alex Bowman rounds out the top ten. Uh, Kevin Harvick, Ryan Newman, Ross Chastain just outside of the top ten. William Byron did not score any stage points uh, and finished 15th there. So pretty interesting in that there was, and then you look at some of the people that had issues during the day. I mean, Briscoe, I think, went a lap down and had to get lucky dogs, I think, three or four times during the day. I mean, yes, I mean, what is it called? So I got to see. So he got one lucky dog. He got the lucky dog three times yesterday and ended up finishing uh, 19th. His car, they they had an eight and a half second pit stop uh, during the race. But if your cars are garbage, I don't think it really matters. You do eight and a half second pit stops. Uh, it was 17th through 19th for all the, the remainder of the uh, Stuart Haas racing cars. So, But I, I think the other piece that we have to look at is these playoff drivers that behind behind uh, William Byron in 15th, you had A. Richard finishing 23rd, uh, Michael McDowell, second consecutive race with issues, finished 26th, Chris Busher had a tire go down and uh, hit the fence, finished 27th, Bubba Wallace was running up front, cut a tire down in one and two, hit the wall, and uh, was finished second in stage one, ended up finishing 32nd. And then Martin Truex Jr. spun early in the race, three laps into the race, had tires go flat, couldn't get the car, wasn't allowed to drive the car back, or couldn't drive the car back because the car was on the bump stops. They decided to tow it, and because of that, uh, his day was over. So the guy who won the regular season title is now uh, on the precipice of possibly missing round two of the uh, cup playoffs. So a lot to dive into there, Josh, but Tyler Reddick, right place at the right time, picked the inside line. You had uh, Daniel Suarez stay out on that caution, uh, last caution there, uh, had no grip. Um, for whatever reason, Denny Hamlin was sleeping on at the wheel. His excuse was uh, he was looking at Larson, um, People, of course, conspiracy theorists were saying that he laid down so that Tyler Reddick could win. I don't think for as for what Denny Hamlin may be, I don't think he's that calculated. Um, it, it's akin to what Dale Earnhardt, you know, when Dale Earnhardt decided he wanted to um, block in the one time he decided to block, unfortunately, we saw what happened. I mean, it's uh, that would be the same kind of deal. Um, it didn't, that wasn't the case. Denny Hamlin was just oblivious and um, gave away what was a possible win there, um, which is not the first time he's done that this year. I mean, both races so far in the playoffs, you can make an argument he should have both of those wins, but then it's the same guy who's never won a Cup Series title. So we'll get into that. Larson, uh, I mean, the Larson situation, he's been fast all of a sudden. He was kind of no in no man's land since May. And, uh, now in the last couple of weeks has found pace but that that rivalry that exists between him and William Clyde Elliott the second could become a bigger issue for Hendrick Motorsports in general because the nine car is still in the owner's playoff Clyde is having arguably his worst year in years Larson is competing for the championship there's a lot going on there with those two guys and I think it's something we have to look at especially going into the races like Talladega, the Roval, Martinsville, um, which is a Hendrick, basically a Hendrick and a Gibbs uh, benefit. 
So those are some of the things we have to look at. But Tyler Reddick ended up uh, standing above and led two laps and was the beneficiary of a lot of stuff going on around him. And, you know, you talk about, well, with Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott, um, I mean, you know, I got to think Chase Elliott, you know, for him, he's probably, uh, you know, frustrated, first of all, bad year. But I think, you know, the stuff between him and Kyle Larson probably goes back probably even to 2021 when Larson first joined on because, you know, Chase Elliott won the championship in 2020 and then 21 Larson joins in immediately, you know, sets the series on fire and just goes out and wins everything on pavement and on dirt, you know, whatever he entered. And generally, you know, they hail him as a generational talent, um, which, you know, he's shown to be that. Uh, And then Chase Elliott, you know, well, you know, he's still been pretty good, right? Just hasn't, I mean, this year hasn't been good, but I mean, still kind of in the background of Kyle Larson uh, in terms of that. So there's probably a lot of um, that kind of going around and, and, you know, factoring in as well. And then of course you factor in what happened at Fontana uh, last year, Watkins Glen uh, last year as well um, for both of those guys, you know, Larson, two wins that Larson had that, you know, arguably could have been Chase Elliott wins. Um, and, you know, they have a little bit of bad blood between each other. And of course, uh, leads to two teammates, you know, being, you know, not, maybe not as good as each other's, maybe they should be, you know, for NASCAR teammates. And maybe we're about to see a F1 type of teammate rivalry that, you know, we've seen with Lewis Hamilton and basically anybody he's been teammates with over the years until George Russell. So, which, well, yeah, Ross really. It's really Rossberg. Yeah, and, Rossberg. And, and, and Maybe Alonso. Alonso. Yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, so, yeah, there you go. That was a good argument there. So so that there's that factor. So that's definitely going to be interesting to see, especially since Elliott still has a owner's championship to go after um, and everything, and Larson is still eligible in the driver's championship as well. So that will be a good storyline. And then, of course, I think the other storyline is Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson, uh, of course, uh, Hamlin was worried about Kyle Larson on the restart. You know, you mentioned conspiracy theory to let Tyler Reddick win, and I don't think that's the case. I think if he was going to be in contention, he should have had a better restart. And he was, you know, so worried about uh, Kyle Larson getting a push. And, you know, I think Kyle Larson would actually happen. I think he probably laid off on that restart. And you know, going back to his dust up with Denny Hamlin, you know, earlier this year, you know, he's not going to cut. Denny Hamlin a break. He's not going to help him out or anything like that. And so I think he probably backed off on that final restart um, and, you know, not give Denny Hamlin a push that he probably needed to, you know, get up there to the lead uh, and everything. So, um, you know, I think, you know, Hamlin was worried about that and getting a push and trying to lay back and everything to try to get a push from Larson and Larson's not going to help him out, you know, even though they're golfing buddies and everything. So, um, I think that was definitely a factor in getting a poor restart. And, you know, also I think for Tyler Reddick on that final restart, uh, I think he benefited from having, uh, you know, having a guy that hadn't pitted up there, Daniel Suarez. Um, I think Suarez being up there, um, you know, gives him a chance to get around guys. And I think he had fewer cars in his lane to get around. And plus, you know, he had all the guys in front of him uh, on the inside line 
or besides uh, besides uh, Daniel Suarez, I think yeah, Joey Logano was also on two tires. Eric Jones was on two tires. So a lot of guys that were on two tires at, at the, up at the front at the end. I think that led to the opportunity for Tyler Reddick to just get a huge run and take the lead on you know the final restart. So um, yeah, a very clutch uh, maneuver there for Reddick to you know go out and do that. And now the 45 has now won three out of the four last four races at Kansas Speedway, uh, and you know basically Toyotas or people associated with 20, uh, 2311 if you count owner Denny Hamlin who won this year by wrecking Kyle Larson on the last lap. So um, there's that too. So um, yeah, clutch win for Tyler Reddick. He goes in and uh, goes out and wins. Now he's locked in. Uh, and of course the Roval's up next uh, in the round of eight or well, the round of 12, so uh, which cut off to the round of eight. So, um, And we know how good Tyler Reddick can be on the road courses, uh, especially you know uh, with Coda, he was good there. Road America last year, he was good. I think he had decent speed at uh, Charlotte Roval last year. So look out for him to possibly contend uh, you know, in, in that or earlier. So uh, I think Tyler Reddick, you know, definitely, definitely has a um, a seat at the table for you know at least getting to the round of eight. I think in my mind, so we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, definitely a. I mean, it wasn't as chaotic as IndyCar, but you know, we definitely saw, you know, guys, uh, championship contenders have issues. You, know, you mentioned Martin Truex on lap three, a uh, big big problem there, and then um, going basically losing all the cushion that he had. So he still has a chance, but he's definitely on thin thin ice right now. Uh, and Bubba Wallace, of course, um, you know he was going to be a contender in this race, and you know was running second and had a, another tire issue. Uh, so yeah, definitely a lot of tire issues in this race for sure. Uh, you know it definitely hurt Bubba because he was definitely up there and probably had a good piece for the win. But uh, you know this. Uh, this race was definitely full of uh, tire issues throughout the field. You know, you saw Chris Buescher had an issue as well with tires. So, you know, once again, Goodyear strikes uh, again in terms of having tire problems. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this race, you know, like I said, um, definitely a lot of things. And, you know, it reinforces that, you know, Kansas Speedway has actually turned into a good racetrack for whatever reason with this car. So, um, yeah, now we have one more race to go and the first round of the round of 16. So, you know, we'll see how Bristol goes, um, you know, for these teams, if it races any differently than last year. Yeah. And we look at, we remember last year in this first round, three non-playoff drivers had won in this case, playoff drivers have won the first two races. Um, Christopher Busher was the winner at Bristol last September in, uh, the night race. Um, he's had, uh, he had a good race at Darlington, unfortunate result at uh, at kansas but it's something to look at you look at some of these guys that haven't won in a while that are in the playoffs the likes of brad keselowski kevin harvick who's on the on the around the bump spot those two guys have won numerous times at bristol joey logano's won numerous times at bristol so it's something uh to definitely keep an eye on um Essentially, I mean, right now they're going into the Bristol night race on Saturday. Reddick and Larson are in. Uh, Hamlin basically is in to the next round. William Byron is pretty solidly in unless a nightmare scenario happens, um, like what happened with Truex. Uh, Brad Keselowski 
down to to Christopher Bell's 20 points, so that can really flip with stage points and other things. But the way that Brad Keselowski's been running, I think things should be in a good stead for him. Um, Blaney's had good moments and bad at Bristol, of course. Kyle Busch is one of his best racetracks, but it's Kyle Busch and how inconsistent he and the A-team have been for I don't know how many months. Something to look at there. Uh, right now, Chris Busher is plus 13, along with Chris Bell. Joey Logano is plus 12, and Kevin Harvick is plus 7 on the bump. Martin Truex is minus 7. After that, Darrell Wallace Jr., Ricky Stenhouse Jr., and Michael McDowell essentially need to win. Um, to I mean, Ricky Stenhouse, you could say, well, that's crazy, but Ricky Stenhouse... Outside of running at super speedways, Bristol is one of his best racetracks. Uh, Bubba has won in a super late model there, or late model there, before McDowell famously right-reared Darrell Wallace Jr. for people who are into that sort of stuff. Um, he's not really known as a short track guy, so I would... Uh, great for front row motorsports for that period of like a month or two, a month or so where they were trending, but uh, their their uh, playoff season is going to be over here on Saturday. The real question is, will Martin Truex get knocked out or will it be somebody else? When you look at the points circumstances, I mean, I think anybody behind Kyle Busch could is in place. So Ross Chastain, Busher, Bell, Logano, Harvick, and Truex are all all in, in danger. Uh, but as I mentioned, you look at Busher won there last year. Bell has won at Bristol, albeit on the dirt. Logano's won on the dirt and on the concrete. Kevin Harvick's won numerous times at Bristol. I think the one person that really has to be concerned is Martin Truex, because for as good a, that, as he has become on short tracks, there was a time where he never read one a short track race. His winning has been at, at Martinsville and at Richmond, not at Bristol. Uh, Kyle Larson's another one that's great at Bristol, um, amongst others. So something to look at there. Um, in terms of the owner's points leading into the next, uh, into the round of 12, right now, Joey Logano has a five-point lead on... Uh, Kevin Harvick for the cutoff. It's even closer, I guess, because uh, the 17 and 20 are tied. They're only a point ahead of Joey Logano, as I said earlier. Um, so the that's more. It's similar. It's similar to um, the uh, instead of the 23 being in the mix because they didn't make the playoff. It's the nine. The nine is um, is in eighth right now. So you look at uh, the Clyde. Uh, from Clyde in eighth to Kevin Harvick in thirteenth is only twelve points. So, and then nineteen points to Martin Truex. So, something to look at there, uh, leading into the next uh, into the Bristol Night Race for sure. I'll go into Xfinity. The last race of their regular season uh, took place uh, last Saturday afternoon. The Kansas Lottery three hundred. More of the same though uh, at uh, Kansas with John Hunter Nemechek domination wins both stages leads virtually the entire race Justin Allgaier uh, led um, the first 40 laps of the race and basically that was it um, from then on it was John Hunter Nemechek Buckshot Jones tried to backdoor his way into the playoffs had probably his best run of the year 
at one of his better racetracks, ends up finishing second, misses the playoff. Sheldon Creed uh, gave himself a chance to win that elusive first race in Xfinity, made his cup debut yesterday as well, um, but ended up finishing third. Parker Kligerman, the best run I think he's had all year in that 48 car, finishes fourth and gets in to the Xfinity playoffs. Austin Hill, fifth. Josh Berry, sixth. Brett Moffitt in seventh. Derek Krause running uh, the 11 car this week, uh, finished eighth. Joe Graff Jr. in the 19 finished ninth. And Kaz Grala, tenth. Uh, uh, credit to the... Um, Jordan Anderson teammates Parker Retzloff and Jeb Burton finishing 11th and 12th. Um, Retzloff was the last car in the lead lap. Jeb Burton and Josh Williams, first two cars a lap down. Uh, Connor Mozak had come off of winning and lapping the entire field in the ARCA race a couple days before, finished 14th. Jeremy Clements rounds out the top 15. Justin Allgaier, I mentioned, finished, uh, got good stage points and led the first 40 laps, but in the end, you know, had pit pit road and issues and stuff and ended up finishing 18th. Riley Herbst, who had a litany of issues during the race on Saturday, um, ended up two laps down in 23rd and missed the playoff. Daniel Hemrick was up front for a good amount of the race, but then had uh, uh, electrical problems, I believe, so, so, some sort of uh, mechanical issue there. Chandler Smith had issues. During the day, they got in accidents and stuff. Sammy Smith hit the fence uh, and then was basically in no man's land for the rest of the day, along with Cole Custer, Sam Mayer. Uh, so those guys, no momentum. I mean, Sammy Smith has been basically god-awful for about three months. Uh, he could be somebody that gets eliminated in the first round just based on how he's run in recent months. Uh I mean, I, I think it's pretty straightforward. We'll get into the points going into Bristol here, Josh, but John Hunter Nemechek, you look at how legacy is looking here in the last few weeks with the way Eric Jones has ran, Carson Hosevar running in the top 20 uh, the last couple of weeks. It, he's going to be driving that 42 car. Uh, Hosevar, it looks like, is going to be driving for Spire full-time next year, it seems like. So, I mean, a lot of good momentum going on there. John Nemechek keeps winning, and uh, I think he wants to finally get over the hump and get a championship. He's been close before in the truck series, has fallen short when he was driving for his family, also with Kyle Busch Motorsports. Now he's in a position to win the Xfinity title, and it's really basically between him and uh, Austin Hill. Um, if if he doesn't get this one, you got to wonder about his closing ability. But then he drives for Joe Gibbs Racing, so you don't really have to be a closer <laughs> theoretically to drive for Joe Gibbs Racing. Look at Denny Hamlin. Um, but yeah, John Nemechek has been dominant here and uh, leading into this Xfinity playoff. It's going to be hard to imagine it going past either the twenty or the twenty-one. I mean, it's going to be definitely a, a tough Xfinity playoffs. Um... I mean, I think for John Hunter, you know, he definitely has a lot of momentum on his side. You know, first of all, the announcement going to be in the 42 car next year uh, with Jimmy Johnson and Legacy Motor Club and um, teammates with Eric Jones on on that team. So, um, yeah, for for him, then capping off that announcement uh, with the win to get in or to, um, you know, 
kick off the playoffs uh, or, you know, to close out the regular season and uh, go into playoffs. I mean, you know, even though he doesn't win the regular season championship, you know, it's definitely a, a huge momentum and confidence booster um, to go in there uh, like that. So, you know, now they go into Bristol and uh, they'll, you know, start out the first race of the playoffs and um, be able to go out and run. Uh, we'll see how they do at, at Bristol, but, um, you know, it's going to be an interesting uh, next couple of weeks for them. And then, you know, Austin Hill, of course, wins the regular season title. Um, and uh, it's going to be going to be interesting to see. I think they both have pretty good pace. But, you know, I feel like John Hunter Nemechek, definitely, I feel like they have the edge. They've been more dominant. I think Austin Hill has just had a couple, you know, slightly better season in terms of consistency than John Hunter. But I think, um, you know, on a head-to-head basis, I think John Hunter Nemechek, definitely has way more pace um you know with the thing their 54 car or the or the 20 car not the 54 the the 20 car is definitely on another level compared to the 21 so um i think he uh has a, a really really good chance to win the championship um of course you know you mentioned being able to win the championship in the xfinity series and be able to finally win one for himself um of course bring back his truck series championship where you know i think we all thought he had that one in his hands, but, you know, it just didn't bring a good piece that, that day. So it's still, I mean, it's not guaranteed, but, you know, I think he definitely has a huge, huge shot in the flagship Xfinity car for uh, JGR there. So, you know, we'll see, um, you know, uh, Riley Herbst, uh, you know, had an opportunity as well to qualify into the playoffs. Of course, he gets outlasted by Parker Clearman, um, had a one race point advantage, um, for or one point advantage for Riley Herbst to get in the playoffs, so uh, falls out. Um, had an issue actually. You know, ran into uh, Parker Clearman during the race, and um, yeah, after restart in stage two. So um, yeah, I mean Riley Herbst. I mean, I think last year he seemed like he was doing improving in the Xfinity series, but you know this year has been uh, very up and down. Uh, you know, once again, so. Um, you know, I think, you know, for your SHR, you know, I mean, obviously he's got the mo- monster energy and, um, you know, his family's company money behind him, but, you know, got to wonder how long, you know, he, can he remain in this series? Um, I mean, he possibly could race for front row next year in one of their cars, but as he you know, made a start for them in the, um, cup series at Daytona, but, you know, for, I guess, sustainability and viability for SHR in the Xfinity series, um, you know, how long can they be able to, you know, put a field car for him if, you know, he's not going to put in the results um, that I think that car probably deserves. You know, Cole Custer is outshining him um, in in their, you know, running his second car. So uh, definitely have to, you know, make all of that considerations and, you know, considering that, you know, Zane Smith is on, on the way as well and possibly, you know, could be racing. I mean, he's already doing cup stuff as well. Uh, a few races here and there, uh, but if he decides to do Xfinity, you have to wonder, you know, uh, is that a possibility for Zane Smith? Uh, but you know, for um, to get into that 98 car, so um, you know, the playoffs, you know, as we get get set here in the Xfinity series, you know, it's going to be a, a pretty interesting one. And like you said, or like we both said earlier, you know, I think it's going to be between the 20 and the 21. But um, wouldn't be surprised if you know the seven of uh, Justin Allgaier or uh, you know, any of the, you know, the other cars like Josh Berry, if he figures it out the last, you know, couple of races here, uh, 
we'll see we'll see what happens but you know i think it's probably going to be between the 20 and the 21 uh at the end of the you know in, in november in phoenix yeah i think the like you talked about i mean your the double zero might have something because cole custer you never really know but i don't think so uh shr is in limbo in a lot of ways uh you know as you mentioned with the herps being a fail uh, there's a lot of, it shows how bad the four driver development situation is at the moment. Uh, when you see the regression that has taken place for both, uh, Chase Briscoe and, uh, Austin Sindrick, that they don't have any options for Zane Smith, that they talk about Riley Herbst as one of their junior drivers and he can't even win a race or, or he hasn't really been flirting with the top five for months. And you have Haley Deegan, who's just out there as a knob gobbler. I mean, that's literally, and then Frankie Muniz, who's a freaking actor. Um, that's your whole driver development situation, and you don't have enough cars. Uh, it's, a, it's a bad look for Ford, and it's probably why there's so, one of the many reasons why they're so far behind. JRM is really the only thing that could go and change it, but I don't think Sam Mayer's ready. Uh, he's not mature enough, I don't think, to put together a run. Um, all guyers proven over the years he can get there but not close um josh barry is in between two different deals looking at his future and he has had a rough year this year they haven't had the speed like they did last year in general uh the crew chief changes i think if anybody's been affected it's been him more than anybody uh and then brookshot jones now is just an r&d driver so we'll see what happens with that. I think uh, I would look, though, at the 8 and the 7 as people that would be the only ones that could really flirt with those top two guys in the Xfinity series um, for what's going to happen there. I mean, we'll see if they... Um, we'll see what happens with that. But we'll move uh, the points as... Uh, uh, the regular season points championship ended up with Austin Hill winning by five points over John Hunter. Um, Allgaier is minus 40. Um, Josh mentioned that uh, Parker Kligerman ended up beating Riley Herps by 25 points in the end um, because of the results of uh, Saturday's race. Uh, the owner's point situation is a little different, so we'll get into that. So the... Own, well, well, first of all, I can go and, first of all, uh, get into the reset driver's points. And then this is the owner's points, the unofficial. So I'm trying to look for 12, the big machine. Okay, so right now, the, yeah, the prior to the reset, the Richard Childress uh, 21 car leads the owner's points by five over Joe Gibbs, the 20 car. Uh, the 10 for college racing is fifth. The 19 will also be in the owner's playoffs for Joe Gibbs racing. So all three Joe Gibbs cars will be in the the playoff. Or no, actually, is no, no. The Joe Gibbs 18 will not be in the owner's playoff. They'll be in the driver's playoff because Sammy Smith won. Um, so that's interesting. Um, that's the same thing for Jeb Burton uh, with uh, him winning but not uh, the team not making enough points. There's so there's two guys. Yeah, so those are the two guys that are out of the owner playoff. That's in the drivers. The rest of the teams are all represented there in the owner uh, playoffs. There go into the drivers points. They didn't show them the owners points. They the unofficial. So the new the reset owners points going into 
the start of uh, the playoffs here at Bristol on Friday night. Uh, John Hunter Nemechek takes a 10-point lead over Austin Hill to Bristol, uh, a 23-point lead on Justin Allgaier, and then from then on, from 4th on to 12th, is, uh, well, they're showing that that's actually the, that's the driver points, actually. That's not the owner points. That's the driver points, because it's not, uh, they're not, well, the 19 and the 10, they don't, oh, wait a minute. Oh, so then, that doesn't make any sense, because then the 11, it says the 11 isn't in the owner's playoff. This doesn't make, they're showing the one points, but, okay, it doesn't make sense to me, I'm sorry. doesn't look right, but. They're showing the owner's points from Saturday reset, and it shows the 27 and the 18 in, but I think that's the driver's points. That's more like the driver's points than the owner's points. Uh, I guess we'll find out later in the week. But uh, the 20, the 21, the 7, double zero, the 1 are the top 5. The 1 is 35 points back, but from Cole Custer, who's in 4th, to um, Jeb Burton, who is 12th, is 11 points so there's a lot of uh volatility that could take place from there on really um once you get past those top two guys and even to a point justin allgaier there's a lot of volatility that can go on during the next three races uh that could really flip the thing on its lid uh, to see who goes where and who can advance uh we'll get more of a view of the xfinity points a better view of it next week once they have them all set. Uh, the truck series ran the Kansas Lottery 200. They uh, finished their first round of the playoff uh, with um, the with the Christian Eckes getting that last lap three wide pass over Corey Heim and Zane Smith. Uh, Heim led the most or second most laps. Nick Sanchez started on the front row, won the first stage. Carson Osovar won the second stage. Those, those are three guys that were up there, Haim, Osovar, Sanchez, who uh, were up there and had a, had great vehicles, but in, they weren't able to um, finish it out. A Christian Eckes, right place, right time, yet again, gets another win this year. Uh, imagine a few years ago, he was a Toyota uh, young gun, and he was driving for Kyle Busch Motorsports, and they dumped him out the side, and now he's running for McAnally Hilgeman, and... He's winning races in that Napa car. I think somebody was making a reference to that on social media, how the Napa car that's winning, the, or Napa vehicle that's winning this year is the 19 in the truck series, not the 9 in the cup series. So probably going and going after some of Clyde's uh, uh, feeble-minded fan base. But um, the bigger story, Matt D. Burrito, even with a third-place finish, gets knocked out of the playoff, and so does the ageless uh Matt Crafton who um who's been in the truck series since it began I think or basically uh he gets knocked out of the uh playoffs and now uh his chance to win a fourth truck series championship is over not like he's had pace this year to really make you think that he was going to win anyway but uh that's that's the end of the road for him and and Christian Eckes inserts himself right back into the conversation uh i mean you you look at the i mean majeski won the first race but they got nailed with the tire uh the uh, the uh, what do you call tire pressure valve bleeding bleeder situation 
Um, no crew chief for the second round at all. Uh, they're on the cusp, really. Um, you look at, but outside of that, you have five guys within eight points in high Mekis and Finger, Josevar and Smith with the reset. Ben Rhodes is really iffy. I don't, he's, he's won a race this year, but pace has not been great. Nick Sanchez, the statistics do not show how good Nick Sanchez really has been, but he's in a position where he's probably going to have to win uh, to guarantee himself uh, a spot in the final four, uh, which isn't out of the realm of possibility, I don't think. If Kyle Busch has got his druthers, if he really is looking at things the right way, he should be pushing to get that two-car, two-truck into the final four because uh, Nick Sanchez definitely does have a future in this sport but christian eckes goes and gets that victory puts himself right in the mix really to um contend for a uh for the truck series championship which i mean we knew he was a factor before honestly but um getting another victory to kind of re remind everybody that he's a factor never hurts right so um Good job by Eckes and that crew to go and get that victory uh, on two guys that were have been considered favorites. Um, Zane Smith actually getting a good run out of it when you can you look at what all the turmoil that's been going on with Zane Smith here in the last couple of months. Uh, there might be light at the end of, end of the tunnel here in their final season together uh, for um, Front Row and uh, Zane Smith too. But Christian Eckes is the guy who has all the highlights, Josh, for... Uh, getting another victory here in 2023. Yeah, I mean, he's, you know, been getting some clutch wins, and, you know, definitely this last one was definitely a, a clutch win. You know, again, uh, you know, fighting on the re last restart of the race, going, you know, three wide, going on the high side, going and taking the lead. Uh, you know, Christian Eckes, yeah, of course, like you said, the Napa driver that's actually winning this year. So, you know, he's figuring something out here in the truck series. Um, but, you know, that was a, at least the, the finish of this race was definitely pretty interesting. Um, you had two final restarts on you know, on the you know on the race with um, Roger Cruth got in uh, wreck and so did the uh, fifteen of Tanner Gray also involved uh, there. So um, yeah, that made for some interesting racing there at the end. Um, you know, shows what the Truck Series is able to do, you know, going three wide and, um, being able to, you know, race each other. You know, you saw Matt Benedetto trying to make his way into the playoffs, uh, but, you know, fortunately it comes up short. Um, definitely saw, you know, with, with the way that that was playing out, you could definitely see he was really driving with, um, I guess a purpose, if you want to say trying to, trying to do his best to try to, you know, get up there, get up to the lead. But I think he was just a little too far back. And I think he also just didn't benefit from having the, uh, outside line on the restarts there. But, um, you know, De Benedetto comes up short, um, but not for lack of effort though. Cause he definitely, you know, had a, um, good fight from, you know, going from like seventh or whatever to third and, uh, the final restart there. So, um, yeah, of course, uh, you know, Ben Rhodes uh, also, you know, makes it into this next round, of course, uh, but, you know, he kind of stumbles his way into the this, uh, you know, next round, um, having the issues that he had at the end of the race, which kind of opened the door to potentially Matt, Matt Benedetto possibly, uh, you know, getting in. So, 
um, I feel like, you know, he's kind of on uh, shaking ground there. But, um, you know, Ekis, uh, you know, we might be talking about him pretty soon as somebody that can be a you know contender to uh, win this championship. You know, we, we kind of don't think about him that often, but, you know, he's definitely had three wins. I mean, it's the first time he's won since Darlington earlier this year, but, you know, he finally, you know, gets another win uh, here in this series. So, uh, you know, it's definitely a, a possibility uh, for him. And, you know, I still think Corey Heim, Carson Hosevar, I think those are the guys that, you know, are able to lead laps. And, you know, Nick Sanchez led laps in this race too, actually led the most laps. But, uh, yeah, I think in terms of, you know, who's able to, you know, get there, I think, you know, Hosevar and Corey Heim are the guys, but I think you do have to talk about Christian Eckes. And, you know, you did talk about Zane Smith, so there's still a possibility, but, you know, Zane Smith just not, has not been as good as he was, you know, the last two seasons. So, um, which, you know, all, also, you know, all the way on the way out and, you know, could be somebody in Xfinity to watch next year if uh, he ends up being there. So, um, uh, you know, we'll see what happens for that. But, um, you know, now we go into this next round of the playoffs and, um, now we're going to kind of see, you know, who, who is able to, you know, make it into the next round. And of course, Ty Majeski, uh, you know, on, on the outside looking in now, uh, as far as, you know, this playoff standings go, uh, you know, those points that, that penalty we talk about from Milwaukee, I think could, you know, come back to hurt and we'll see, but, uh, you know, he definitely, I think for the amount of pace that he's shown this season, you know, with, uh, the potential for, uh, issue, um, possibly costing him a spot into the final round. I think now we're going to start to see the, ramifications of that penalty so you know we'll see how that affects their ability to to race and you know if they are racing with more urgency than maybe some of these other guys that have a little bit more security and being able to advance to the next round we'll see how that affects them but um yeah now we get into the thick of it with the truck series uh in in their playoff you know interestingly enough this is the the final round uh, before they're cut off uh, for the championship, and uh, we have only three races, so I think you know they got to pack these schedule races. Uh, that's one criticism that the they need to remake the schedule for the Truck Series so they have more playoff races alongside with the uh, Cup Series and Xfinity Series because I feel like you know, we focus a lot on the Xfinity and obviously the Cup playoffs, but then we kind of forget about the Truck playoffs until the very end. So. That's one thing. And then I think, you know, one other thing in this race, you know, Fox Sports uh, didn't really have great announcing. And uh, I think you can tell that it's uh, obvious that they're commentating from a remote uh, location. Uh, and I mean, I mean, we can get into the actual commentators themselves, whether they're good or not. But I think it really helps to actually have people at the track. And you know, I don't really understand why, um, you know, for the truck series, they've decided to, um, you know, only have people. Uh, you know, they're remotely and, you know, only have the pit reporters there on site as needed. So I guess it's a cost cutting measure or something, but, you know, it's definitely hurting the series because I didn't, you know, a lot of those teams are very small you need, need exposure and everything. And, you know, it's hard to, hard to tell what's actually exciting and what isn't. So, um, you know, I think they definitely need to improve the coverage there in the series, um, to, I think, make it more viable for both, you know, the teams and the, the drivers, but, 
um, yeah, that's just a criticism because I saw saw that on social media. And usually I try not to agree with all social media criticism, but like I definitely agreed with that one. So, um, you know, that's definitely something to take notice there. I think it's been a problem for the last couple of years, but it's become more obvious because they announced they were going to have uh, Adam Alexander announce trucks, but somewhere along the line, they uh, deviated off that and decided that they would go and have Jamie Little announce both trucks and Arca, and she is an abomination at at announce lead announcing. I mean, she's okay uh, as a pit reporter, and you'll be like, "Oh, well, it's sexism." No, it isn't. She's always been kind of adult. And she has other things that kind of would put people off about her. She doesn't really have a personality. She doesn't really have any energy. You need to have energy and you have to have some level of awareness to be a lead announcer. It's why people goof on Mike Joy and his squire senility uh, because he's com- he's washed. You know, it's why people goof on Rick Allen because he's screaming about nothing in the but at least he he's there, you know, like he actually has energy. There's people who give shit about Lee Diffie, and I'm not around to hear any Lee Diffie slander, but at least Lee Diffie cares, um, and he's passionate. And everybody, and the people that in this series that he announces, they're very close with him, and they have these built great relationships. And I, if they're not busting, if there's not like good natured ribbing between the drivers and Lee or whatever, they have that general respect. You know, and you could see it in the interview that uh, Lee had with uh, Chip Ganassi last weekend. The respect that Lee Diffie has as the lead announcer for IndyCar. And um, they don't have that with NASCAR uh, in general. I mean, the only people, I think the drivers, I think the NBC crew to a point, of course, with Junior. And I think Latart has has become better. I mean, Burton, I could take or leave him. I don't really care about Jeff Burton. They could get rid of him. Nobody would really care. Um, I'd rather have Dale Jarrett up there um, because he has a little more awareness, a little more energy, uh, and he's better. Uh, I think they're wasting his talent. Kyle Petty is just controversial, so it would just be funny to have him up there. Um, And it would be a better bit than having Clint Boyer, who's high or drunk or whatever the hell his gimmick is. Fox Sports has been guilty of doing bad, uh, been producing bad sports commentary and doing uh, a bad job of presenting sports for decades. So it's not like this is new. I, I mean, bias aside for me, I've never really been a fan of Fox anything outside of some of their television shows, actual, you know, regular drama and comedy shows. But they've ruined football broadcasting. They've ruined baseball broadcasting. The only thing they brought to hockey was a glowing puck. Um, you know, like the the only reason people talk about them for college football is because they have Gus Johnson screaming at everything. Um, the NASCAR broadcast has become a clown show, and they don't now they're bringing Kevin Harvick in to save it. But even Kevin Harvick, I mean, Kevin Harvick's been having to go and carry a whole entire organization on his back for the last I don't know four or five years at Stuart Haas, maybe even longer since he's gotten there, but. I, I think this is equal to having to carry a whole entire cup organization uh, on his back trying to go and make the Fox broadcast worthwhile. Uh, I think they'd be better off having him announce all the truck races, too, because Jamie Little's awful. Phil Parsons is washed. I, I, I have a lot of respect for Phil Parsons. He's been around a long time. His brother is a legend. 
Um, he was one of the great, you know, the the hit the interplay between Benny Parsons and Ned Jarrett was the perfect interplay. Um, but Phil Parsons is washed. Um, if you put Trevor Bain in there, he never was a truck really a truck series driver. They should put Kurt Busch in there. Like have Kurt Busch come up with some other person that's kind of hungry, be a lead announcer that has some energy. Go and have oh Zach Wilson's about to get killed. That is oh he threw in dirt. No, he just threw it in the dirt. Uh, but. Fox doesn't care about the trucks. With the Xfinity going over to CW, I think it's time for NASCAR to reassess how they present ARCA and how they they present the uh, truck series, if they want the truck series to exist. Because the truck series is not healthy. It hasn't been healthy for a while. The schedule is terrible. Uh, They have a bunch of problems, uh, and they don't want to fix them because the likes of... Mike Helton makes a shit ton of money, and Elmore makes a lot of money because of their shitty um, crate motors. So um, it is what it is with that, but it's their story for later in the season when we're in the off season, I guess, to go and rail against how bad the coverage is. But then it's Fox, so what do you expect? All right, so we um, I went into the points briefly. So, yeah, Corey Heim goes into the uh, second round with a lead by six over Atkus and Enfinger, eight over Hosevar and Zane Smith. Majeski, uh, so the right now, uh, Hosevar and Zane Smith are tied for the cutoff spot. Ty Majeski, six points out. Ben Rhodes, nine. Nick Sanchez, 16. Uh, so that'll, that'll be interesting. Um, the owner's points situation, uh, there's no, yeah, there's nothing different there, all the same trucks that are in the regular playoff or in that the the 51 was actually in the owner's point playoff but because they had matt mills driving that's probably part of the reason why it didn't work out um because you had matt mills driving and uh whatever that other loser um jack wood driving that so okay we'll move on to nfl week one a lot of stuff going on there i mean we mentioned uh, we mentioned the Aaron injury. Um, they say I just went on to NFL.com and they're saying the ankle X-ray uh, was negative, but they had him in a walking boot. Uh, they're, I mean, they're talking. I mean, hell, Robert Sala's already talking about him in the past tense. Uh, so that's not that's not great. Probably um, just. Yeah, because of their offensive line being terrible. Yeah, well, that's not shocking. Um, Cam Hayward missed multiple weeks, going on injured reserve. Chris Jones ends his holdout conveniently to come back this week um, against Josh's Jacksonville Jaguars after the Kansas City Chiefs lost to the Detroit Lions last Thursday night. Um, Yeah, they said the... X-rays, the X-rays are negative, but that what does that really mean? We'll see further testing for Aaron. Doesn't look good for him. Uh, you had J.K. Dobbins go out um, for the year with a torn Achilles. Um, Josh Dobbs still is starting, even though the Arizona Cardinals are basically tanking for um, the USC quarterback. Uh, yeah, Atlanta is going to have both a couple people coming back, Okuda and Cordero Patterson. Um, Marcus Williams 
with a torn pec. They're saying it's not season-ending, but he's going to be out for a while. Um, DeMar Hamlin isn't playing tonight on Monday Night Football, but they just talked about him on Monday Night Football. Um, going through some of these other people. This week we're on a day-to-day. Jack Conklin, ACL, MCL, um, is out, as mentioned, for the Cleveland Browns. So that's a big problem for Deshaun Watson. Um, Greg Dulcich in the basically cesspool that is the tight end position in fantasy football for people who uh, are relying on him for streaming uh, has a leg injury. Caden Stearns, whoever he is, a safety, torn patellar tendon. So he's out for the year. Aaron Jones has a hamstring. Quay Walker, concussion protocol for Green Bay. Uh, Bruce Long for Jalen Petrie for the Houston Texans probably because he got hit by hit by a truck or something, which is the Baltimore Ravens. Knee and ankle soreness for Anthony Richardson for the Indianapolis Colts, but I guess he will be ready to play on Sunday. Evan Hall, who was filling in as the running back by committee for Indianapolis, um, they're saying he's going to be out for a little while with a knee injury. Uh, Josh can talk more about um, Brandon Scherf with an ankle sprain. Uh, Travis Kelsey probably is going to play as well. Um, mentioned Austin Eckler has dealing with an ankle injury. So that'll be something in fantasy-wise uh, if you're an owner of uh, of uh, Austin Eckler. Jacoby Myers in concussion protocol. He had a good game yesterday for the Raiders. Garrett Bradbury with a back injury. Darisaw ankle. Marcus Davenport ankle was inactive. We'll see what he's doing. Um. Yeah. So Graham Gano got spiked in the calf. Well, I didn't miss that. Well, I guess I missed that because the Giants were getting smoked. Um. Well, it did not practice. Nicobe Dean out with a foot injury. They're probably going to put him on uh, IR. Bradbury concussion protocol. Um. Groin. I mentioned Cam Hayward. Devin Witherspoon. Um. Will be back this weekend to play. And it sounds like Jamal Adams as well for Seattle to solidify what was a Swiss cheese secondary on Sunday, which got torn up by Puka Nakua and Tutu Atwell and uh, Matthew Stafford's dead arm. Um, the all the ageless Jason Peters, who's like 94 years old, is visiting Seattle. So that's something. Um, and then Jamison Crowder. Oh, I thought I didn't know he was off. He's being signed to the active roster, and he's on the practice squad. So, all right. So that's some of the injury uh, updates. But uh, Josh, what do you? Your Jacksonville Jaguars had a pretty uh, strong performance. Calvin Ridley being in uh, in in the in the woods for two years or whatever after getting suspended for gambling, uh, comes back on the field and becomes. Uh, Trevor Lawrence's number one target and basically fits everything that uh, they were asked they were looking for in a number one target. It almost seems like Mark Brunel and Jimmy Smith or, and uh, uh, Mark Brunel and um, Keenan McCardell days, really. That's what it seemed like yesterday. But what are your thoughts on how your guys performed yesterday against Indianapolis? Yeah, I mean, back in those days, it was thunder and lightning with Jimmy Smith and Keenan McCardell, but I don't know what you're going to call these new guys because I think you definitely have a, a whole lot more than thunder and lightning. So, um, But, you know, the, the game was pretty interesting yesterday. Uh, 
you know, early on, uh, Jaguars get out to a 14-7 lead. Um, you know, the offense, I mean, they looked like they were in control, but at the same time, they looked like they had some issues. I know it's the first game and stuff. But then, you know, the middle portions of it um, seemed like the offense got out of sync for whatever reason. And um, I think the offensive line still has some issues with protection. And um, Trevor Lawrence did have to move a lot around in the pocket. So um, that's a, a concern there. So for a lot of that game, they did seem it was like a very sloppy game. And um, it wasn't, yeah, it wasn't like um, it seemed like, you know, they just were out of sync for quite a while. And, uh, you know, they had some issues. Uh, Tank Bigsby, you know, had a pass thrown to him in the flat that should have been caught that tipped off his hands and went for an interception. You know, luckily not returned. But then later on, you know, offensive line issues start to show up and Trevor Lawrence gets strip sack, fumble, and... Uh, then Bigsby actually recovers the fumble but doesn't do anything and just stands there. And then and all of a sudden, um, DeForest Buckner, you know, gets the ball knocked out of his hands and or you know comes around and knocks the ball out and returns it for a touchdown. And you know that definitely you know game should not have been as close as what it looked like on the scoreboard going into the fourth quarter. Like I feel like you know the Indianapolis Colts you know were had one of the worst rosters in the league going in, and you know they definitely shouldn't have been in the game in the fourth quarter. So um, I'm glad that they won, but at the same time, like, and I know it's week one and, you know, obviously all that matters is that you're one to know. So I, I am glad about that, but um, I feel like it should have, you know, it should have been a uh, easier win for them, you know, for all the hype that went into the off season and everything. So, you know, it's only week one, so it's not a big deal. So that's, um, you know, kind of how I, I feel, uh, about that but you know Calvin Ridley is him like you know we always thought he was going to be and uh, he uh, goes out and catches a touchdown probably should have had two if he would have stayed in bounds uh, stepped out of bounds uh, on his way to the end zone uh, which should have been his second touchdown um, but then later on Zay Jones they forgot about Zay uh, you know goes out and makes a catch uh, 18 yard touchdown fingertip grab in the corner of the end zone. So, um, you know, that, um, he is a really good receiver and I don't think they give him enough credit. Uh, and I thought Trevor, you know, I thought he played pretty well. I think it's just the, you know, miskies with, uh, the offensive line, uh, and, um, you know, the turnover issues that happened because of, you know, r- rookies on the field and everything. And then um, running the ball seemed to be an issue as well. I mean, Travis Etienne, they, they did run well in the fourth quarter, but, you know, for a lot of that, um, they were getting stuffed and not getting a lot of uh, good carries. And I felt like it seemed like they relied too much on the run, you know, when it was clear that it wasn't working and, you know, they had three – they they forced a turnover on downs. They forced you know turnovers, and they didn't take advantage of on defense of those plays or you know game changing plays. And and then on you know on offense, they go out and three and out, um, you know three runs and and punt uh, and stuff like that. So I wasn't sure about the play calling. They did talk about uh, Doug Peterson handing off play calling to uh, Press Taylor and. 
uh, I think a lot of people on Twitter were um, commentating that, oh, they should have never given the play calling to him or whatever. It should have just been Doug Peterson calling the plays. But then also apparently Press Taylor was the uh, uh, guy calling the plays in the second half uh, of games last year when they made all those comeback victories and stuff. So, uh, yeah, we'll see uh, how that goes. But, you yeah, know, that's something something you think about, you know, just if it gets, you know, if it gets to a point where it's out of sync and play calling is questionable, does Doug Peterson yank the card from him and, uh, you know, start calling plays uh, in games this year? We'll see. But uh, that's something to think about as well. So um, defensively, they got pressure, but it's also in sacks, but it's also Anthony Richardson in his first NFL game. So um, got to put that caveat in there. And now they go up against Patrick Mahomes, uh, and the Chiefs, we'll see how they play. And I think that's also an issue defensively, uh, just Mahomes and possibility of Kelsey playing. And then um, on offense, got to worry about Chris Jones, who's conveniently re-signed for a one-year deal uh, just in time for uh, week two. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. I'm glad they won. Of course, fantasy-wise, did well. Uh, they're locked up the win and didn't even have to watch Monday Night Football and glad I didn't have to rely on Monday Night Football or anything to get points because uh, definitely Aaron Rodgers' season highlight is running out onto the field carrying an American flag and getting injured. So, um, yeah, perfect timing there. But uh, I'm sure he'll call up Joe Rogan and ask for some uh, DMT or whatever it is and, you know, magically appear in two weeks or something like that. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes, but um, yeah, I'm glad glad the Jags start out one and zero. Now they have a big matchup against the Chiefs, uh, you know, early regular season matchup that I think you know could be a preview of what's to come later on if they do face against each other in the playoffs. So you know, looking forward to that, and you know, looking forward to the rest of the season. Yeah, we'll see what uh, Joe whatever um, A. Ron's going to be doing doing the ayahuasca going and calling. Uh... Alex Jones, whatever, all them, all them conspiracy theorist people, or whatever, is probably what he's going to be doing, getting out the juju and all the other stuff that he has to do. But um, for the Niners, it was never a contest. They were de- they destroyed the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, people were picking the Steelers to win that game, and they never put up a fight. There was really only one drive late in the first half where they scored. That was it. Uh, there was no resistance on either side of the ball. The Niners were dominant at the line of scrimmage on both sides, minus the right tackle position, which is something that, I mean, was a problem with Mike McGlinchey for years. It wasn't, I mean, it was there, um, but you have a lot more inexperience now uh, with Brendel and um, McKivitz and all that, but... The difference is when you're talking about playing T.J. Watt, it's a hard ask first week of the season. But, you know, Christian McCaffrey was able to go and eat. Brandon Ayu made Patrick Peterson look like a fool. Uh, Brock Purdy was just going and dishing it out to everybody. Um, G.K. got a huge fourth down conversion early in the game, which set up that first touchdown. Um, Debo was able to make a lot of plays on offense. So all the guys that you know on the 49ers offense did work. Um, Trent Williams, the best offensive lineman in the NFL. He's upright and doing his thing. He's he's a absolute animal. Um, and their offensive line will go. He's going to continue 
to guide the ship there on the defensive side. Uh, Nick Bosa signs back. Didn't get a sack, but he was definitely the disruptor that he has been his whole entire career uh, because Drake Jackson, the uh, second-year player, got three sacks because they were so worried about Nick Bosa. Cleland Farrell, who was a top-five draft pick for the Las Vegas Raiders, uh, playing for the Niners, he's getting pressures off the other side of the ball. You have um, Javon Hargrave getting a sack uh, in the game, in his first game as a 49er, a regular season game as a 49er. Uh, they were they were feasting on, um, what do you call, um, I might forgetting the quarterback's name for Pittsburgh. Uh, the hell? Kenny Pickett. Kenny Pickett, thank you. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, he had a hard time all day. Najee Harris broke off one big run. Uh, he was able, Kenny Pickett was able to get a touchdown there, but, you know, uh, Pittsburgh really didn't have anything going on. It, and uh, it's it's not really, it's not that surprising unless you live in, unless you're a Pittsburgh Steeler. Oh, wow. I guess Garrett Wilson just scored a touchdown to tie the game. Um, then, uh, so we'll get into that. I mean, the I don't think the Steelers thought that they were going to get baptized, but they really didn't show a fight. If you look at, I mean, Ayuk gets two touchdowns. Jake Moody, who was their first draft pick, uh, had a very a strong game. Uh, Pickett actually threw the touchdown to Fryermuth, and then they had the huge, uh, I, as we get through, yeah, shotgun pass to Pickens, uh, then uh, Pickett, and they reversed it, so then he still threw it to Pickens, so completed it twice there, uh, 24-yard run for um, Najee Harris, and then unnecessary roughness on Demandre Lenore, through uh, past uh, Allen Robinson, Deontay Johnson, two catches there, and then Fryermuth ends up, uh, uh, goes and gets that um, that touchdown there. So the, the Pittsburgh Steelers definitely have talent and potential. Their interior is... A problem. I mean, we just talked about Cam Hayward, who's been around for a long time. He's going to be out, so you're going to have to replace him. You're going to have to look at that offensive line going into week two. But the 49ers, um, they're going to play the L.A. Rams in L.A., which is um, which is uh, Santa Clara South or whatever, uh, because usually the fans of the opposing team end up being the majority of the fans in a SoFi Stadium, no matter who plays there. So, um, and the Niners, outside of one game, of course the one that mattered the most, have owned the LA Rams in SoFi. Uh, coming off of that big win against Seattle for them, a uh, big divisional matchup to start the year. If the Niners can win that one, they can go to 2-0. and They'll be on a short week going against the Giants in their home opener on Thursday night next week. So it could be a pretty uh, convenient time there if the Niners can get uh, keep the momentum rolling, uh, get to 3-0 and and have a long break after the Giants game because the Giants were completely anally annihilated. They were done old country way, like uh, the Iron Sheik would say he... he they got made humble like it wasn't even it wasn't even funny um he they the Dallas Cowboys did 
to the Giants the same way that Iron Sheik did to Brian Blair. Um, absolute, absolute, like, really just, it was not good. I, I changed the channel. I was sitting there, we were celebrating my cousin's birthday, and I had it. I was able to get the Peacock deal to work, and I was watching a game I gave up. I couldn't take it anymore. It was, and it was in the second quarter. So it got to 40 to nothing. So that's how bad that game was. People, the Dallas Cowboys fans are already talking uh, because as me being a Niner fan, it's like, oh, yeah, we're going to be there week five. I'm like, yeah, well, that's fine. That's great. I mean, I'll, I'll, I, all I have to say, I don't have to say anything. I can just go and point at the playoffs the last however many years. Should have beaten us a few years ago, and the Niners beat you. We beat them last year. I don't, it's not me. I'm just letting the results speak. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, the, there's a lot to, it's early in the season. So keeping guys upright, keeping things moving forward. That's really what it's about. Fantasy, unfortunately for me, uh, one and three this week. A lot of unfortunate instances. Having J.K. Dobbins on one of my teams didn't help. In my dynasty team, I have I do have Trevor, but our number one draft pick, uh, our number one guy is, of course, Joe Burrow. And um, he had $219 million guaranteed, and he threw for 82 yards because he cannot beat the Cleveland Browns. Uh, and, oh, and, tr- and if you have T. Higgins, he, got, he, he put up a, a bagel. He put up a bagel. So... And, oh, and if you have Dallas Goddard, oh, he put up a bagel too. So I mean, it's I, I got it eight ways. I got it was like being in a bat, like being a jobber in an ECW match and getting nailed with every weapon. Like I, I saw it from all, I got it from all angles. It didn't really matter. Um, what I will say is for uh, the um, even though my team lost in uh, my league, the four quarters of tenderness team to. Uh, Steve's, um, Steve's team. Are you telling me there's a, is there fighters or a turnover? I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. There seems to be a argy bargy going on over there. Oh boy. Here we go. So, um, I mean, Lamar Jackson did not have a great performance, uh, at all, but Anthony Richardson, uh, Josh mentioned about, I mean, he, he had 263 total yards and he had two touchdowns. So, and then oh, it was a fumble. Okay, and then he got a hit scrum. in the head. And then he got hit in the head. Um, Jordan Love threw for three touchdowns. So against the hapless Chicago Bears. So as it stands, the quarterback room looks good. I left points on the on the bench. Drake London also put up a donut. So that was fun. Uh, so that that was convenient. I my overthought my IDP situation and uh, screwed myself. It wasn't going to help me win, but uh, I I overthought about the IDP situation, screwed me over. Uh, Josh Allen, um, basically laying an egg right now. It's four fifty-five to go. He needs to throw a touchdown. He's already th- oh, so he's thrown three interceptions. Oh, that'll help. I I that's what I've missed right here. So he's thrown three interceptions. He's only got one touchdown. Oh, yeah, that's convenient. Uh, Jameer Gibbs is not somebody you should draft as a number one running back. Uh, it was when you're picking number one in a fantasy, 12-team fantasy draft, and you need to pick a running back. At that point, it's slim pickings. Uh, so uh, what it means is I'm going to be playing Brees Hall next week. Oh, I left Brandon Ayuk on the bench, and I still won in this league, so that's that's good. Uh, I left Brandon Ayuk on the bench on another team, and that didn't go as well. Um. Yeah, so that that's about it. 
in terms of the fantasy and um yeah let's move forward uh i mean the niners will play the la rams on uh sunday in the late window jacksonville will host the kansas city chiefs in the uh in the den or whatever you guys call the whatever nicknames you have for the home tia bank field or whatever it's uh, called the bank yeah, so that place becomes a nut house when you have real big games. You were there for that specific game against the San Diego Chargers of Anaheim and L.A. and all the other places. So now when you have Kermit the Frog showing up and then you're going to bring back Travis Kelsey and Chris Jones, I'm sure the fans are going to show out. So they're, they're an act- you guys are an actual fan base unlike the L.A. Rams. So we'll see what happens in the early window, a very uh, busy early window um next sunday all right so the roundup let's go with it uh moto gp uh we'll start with at misano the uh with jorge martin getting the victory in the race over marker Basecki and peco bagnaya uh danny pedrosa on a wild card ride his second wild card of the year for ktm finishes fourth mark marquez actually finished in the top 10 he finished seventh uh so credit to him uh you had i'm trying to go through here yeah so yeah so those that was the race in the uh sprint race jorge martin it was the same podium same top four actually in the sprint race the standings going the so the points heading to the first ever moto gp indian grand prix the first time they'll be racing at the bud international circuit uh first time india has had a race of any kind in a major uh, uh, international form since, I think, 2013 Formula One when Sebastian Vettel locked up his fourth consecutive championship. Uh, Peko Bagnaia leads by the, what is it, the 33, 36 points over over Jorge Martin. Uh, And so that's the battle right there. Um, the points really, there's more of an interest. Brad Binder at Spargo, 13 points between those two guys. And then from Zarco, Marini, Vinales is 19 points. So that's the battles there for the MotoGP championship in the, I don't know what the BMW award is, but whatever, who cares. Uh, Constructors is Ducati because it's Ducati. In Moto2, in the Moto2 uh, standings, here they uh you had uh where am i going here i had it over here so moto 2 sean dylan kelly came back for the first time in a few in a few months he got uh released by the uh american racing team and now uh for three rounds he's going to be filling in for forward racing Uh, he was able to get on their bike uh, for because of an injury Uh, so he was able to race at misano Still hasn't scored a point yet, but at least he's racing again. Uh, Joe Roberts ended up getting a top 10 finish, so credit to him uh, in that sense. Uh, Joe Roberts started seventh in the race, too, so a good good situation for him. Uh, so one of his better, better performances of the entire year. Um, SDK was for the riders, so he was right at the back of the field basically so his first ride for uh, the forward racing team uh, the point standings have to go through quickly uh, for moto two is 
we'll go through Acosta is up by 23, 34 points over Tony Arbolino. Um, Jake Dixon in third, Aaron Kinnett and Alonzo Lopez are tied for fourth. Celestino Vietti is 10 points behind him. Fuji uh, saw the World Endurance Championship uh, come there, and uh, they raced uh, six hours, uh, six-hour event there. And uh, wouldn't you know, at, at the home of Toyota, they uh, they won. Uh, Toyota wins, finishes 1-2. Uh, they won the number seven with Conway, Kobayashi, and Lopez beat the number eight, Wemi, Hartley, and Hirakawa by 39.1 seconds. The Penske Porsche, number six of Kevin Estra, Andre Lauderer, and Lawrence Vantor finished third on the lead lap overall. The Ferraris finished fourth and fifth, a lap down. The Team Jota Porsche was sixth, and the first of the Peugeots finished seventh. A lap down so all those cars are one lap down after that the proton number 99 porsche or the other peugeot's three laps down in eighth the proton porsche ninth eight laps down and the cadillac racing number two of Earl bamba alex lynn and richard westbrook uh 10 laps down in 10th overall the wrt uh team in lmp2 rui andrade robert kubica and louis delatras wins that class over United Autosport and WRT, they won by a lap. United Autosports was fourth there in that class. And uh, GT Am, uh, the AF Corsa number 54, beat the Corvette Racing the team of Ben Keating, Nick Verone, and Nikki Katzberg uh, by, what is it, 22, by 22 seconds, just under 23 seconds. And the Kessel Racing Ferrari finished third the iron dames finished fourth in uh gtm uh their next race will be in november at bahrain that'll be their last i think that's the last race of the season yeah that'll be the last race of the season eight hour race there uh the point standings i mean the gtm uh standings we already know that the the corvette is uh corvette is uh won that championship so they're that's a locked up you know, right now with one race to go it's 15 points between the eight of of hartley hirakawa and buemi and the seven of lopez kobayashi and conway for the world endurance drivers championship the manufacturers toyota's 40 points ahead of ferrari the world cup uh that's uh yeah team uh joda for will win that one because they've been around longer the the 41, Delatraz, Kubica, Rui Andrade, 32 points or 33 points out of Albert Costa, Fabio Scheer, Jacob Smikowski, the guys that won Le Mans, uh, the United Autosport team, uh, Frederick Lubin and Philip Hansen are in third there for the endurance trophy there for LMP2 drivers. Team WRT, as mentioned, leading over Inter Europol. And then United Autosports, a 22. And GTM, Ben Keating, Nikki Gasberg, Verone won the championship for both uh, drivers and teams. We'll go to Indy next. Christian Rasmussen rounded out a uh, strong 2022 or 2023 campaign with a victory on Sunday in uh, leading, started on pole and led the whole entire race uh, to lock up uh, the championship there 
So that was a great job by him, a great job by HMD Motorsports to go and get another uh, victory there over Hunter McElroy and Louis Foster. Matt Brabham finished fourth, Jacob Abel fifth. Ernie Francis Jr., which in what might be his last Indy Lights race, finished eighth. Yuvin Sundramuthi, ninth, and Jagger Jones, tenth. Jamie Chadwick was twelfth. Uh, in race one, Hunter McElroy led, started from pole and led all led the entire race. Christian Rasmussen, second. Daniel Frost, Kiffin Simpson, Matt Brabham. Ernie Francis was seventh. Jagger Jones, eighth. Um, Sundramuthi was thirteenth. Chadwick was fifteenth. The final point standings uh, sees Christian Rasmussen win the championship by 26 and 65 points over McElroy. Nolan Siegel finishes third, five points out of Louis Foster. Jacob Abel rounds out the top five. Daniel Frost, who might be moving up to IndyCar next year, finished sixth. Ernie Francis Jr. ends up ninth in points uh, there. So with that, Jamie Chadwick finished 12th. Jagger Jones, 13th. We'll go through some of these other guys. Matt Brabham didn't run that many rounds, and he's finished 17th, so credit to him. And Yuvin Sundramuthi finished uh, 22nd in limited starts. We'll see if he comes back for the full season next year in uh, Indy Next. Manny Core for the World Superbikes. The uh, big news was Garrett Gerloff qualifying on Super Pole. Uh, in uh, initial qualifying and then in in race one actually having his best race of the year finishing fourth after um starting on pole toprak rascat lioku michael rubin rinaldi and johnny ray finished ahead of him but you know so credit to garrett gerloff there uh it's been a tough year uh for him getting used to the new bike uh, the new bmw for him but he uh, did a good job at Manny Core and uh, uh, gives himself, uh, put himself in the mix here with a few rounds to go in the World Superbike Championship to make some moves um, in race in the Super Pole race. He, uh, there, yeah, Super Pole race. He only finished. Uh, he fell out of the Super Pole race. He had issues, so that uh, kind of set him back a bit. Then in the second, in the race two, they had a restart and ended up uh, finishing in fifth. The restarted uh, uh, race two, he ended up finishing fifth. So the two top five finishes started on pole in race one. So great weekend for him, uh, something to build off of for Garrett Gerloff moving forward. They'll be racing in a couple weeks' time in Aragon in Spain, and then they'll back, go back-to-back back with uh, going to Estoril, and then they'll take a month off before they go to Jerez to end the uh, World Superbike season there. Uh, the Acropolis Rally, as I mentioned earlier, uh, it's uh, basically Cali Rovampera. We know he's going to go and win a second consecutive World Rally Championship, uh, go and... Uh, he wins the race, wins the rally, wasn't much of a, he didn't really get much resistance from anybody, and that also helps when that happens. Uh, he won by a minute 31 over his teammate Alfred Evans, one thirty-five, a minute 35.9 over Danny Sordo for the first of the Hyundais. Otanak had a 3 minutes 40 second penalty, which ended up leaving him fourth 
Escapecalapi in the hun- second Hyundai finished six minutes, 22 seconds behind, and Katsuda for Toyota finished sixth. Andreas Mickelson uh, wins uh, uh, WRC2 over Gus Greensmith. Johan Roussel, uh, Sebastian Auger was in this uh, race, but uh, had issues. Um, finished 10th overall, though. Uh, the standings going into last few rounds, uh, there's now three race rounds left. Uh, Chile, Germany, and Japan. Uh, but Cali Rovampere basically is uh, he's 25 points, so he's got a full race. Uh, ahead of uh, that was they don't they didn't even put in uh, they haven't even put in the points there so I don't understand that that yeah so they haven't even updated the points there so it's got to be different whatever uh, he won and he's well on his way to his second consecutive World Rally Championship Super Motocross the momentum for Chase Sexton uh, continues from Supercross after benefiting from. Uh, the top two guys in uh, Eli Tomac and uh, Cooper Webb having uh, injuries and not being able to finish out the season. Chase Sexton benefited and uh, won uh, won the championship. Won race one over Dylan Ferrandis, Ken Roxon, Jason Anderson, Aaron Plessinger. Uh, Cooper Webb in his first race back on a Yamaha for Star Racing. Uh, finished eighth. We got that. Then we'll get into race two. Um, Chase Sexton won both rounds. Jet Lawrence had come off of winning, uh, sweeping the whole entire motocross season. Had a rough first round of the first moto in uh, in Charlotte, but came back for a second. Roxon third, Ferrandis fourth, Jason Anderson fifth. Cooper Webb ended up finishing seventh there. So the points uh, after the first race... Uh, uh, Chase Sexton ends up uh, going 1-1, and uh, he'll end up uh, with a 12-point lead over Jet Lawrence. He and also Aaron Plessinger, 13 on Ferrandis, 14 on Ken Roxon to round out the top five, and then Rider points standing to the, so yes, yeah, so I don't know about all that and manufacturer right up. Uh, then 250 motocross, the official results. Joe Shimoda ended up uh, winning, uh, going 4-1 and winning the uh, round for Charlotte. So credit to him and uh, Pro Circuit Kawasaki. Tom Vial uh, second and Hayden Deegan third. Uh, Hunter Lawrence struggled. Uh, he's eighth after this first round. Austin Forkner, um, bad second race. He's 13th. RJ Hampshire. So a lot of ground to be made up by some of the other names in the 250s they'll be racing racing at chicagoland speedway this weekend for the second race of that championship nhra countdown at uh maple grove so they're gonna as long as the weather uh cooperates they could put up some big numbers uh in qualifying which bonus points could be put into play there justin ashley has a 30 point lead over steve torrance in the top fuel uh category brown antron brown leah pruitt defending champion Brittany force doug coletta mike salinas and austin proc are all within 100 points 12 drivers are in the uh in the top fuel playoff excuse me 
Ron Caps after winning the U.S. Nationals, trying to win another championship, 24 points out of Matt Hagen, 38 on height, Tasca, J.R. Todd, Alexis Azuria, Chad Green, Tim Wilkerson, John Force, um, all under 100, or inside of 100 points. Cruz Pentragon and uh, Alex Laughlin and are in the uh, countdown for the funny cars. In pro stock, Dallas Glenn had a humongous lead, but that's been cut down to 25 over the U.S. Nationals champion Matt Hartford, 32 over Enders, uh, Troy Coughlin, Derek Kramer, Aaron Stanfield, Greg Anderson, Kyle Kretzky, Camry Caruso. 16 drivers actually made it into the countdown for the pro stock category, so that's something to... That's got to be the most ever, so that'll be interesting to see. But really, the battles between Dallas Glenn, Matt Hartford, uh, the elite teams versus the KB Titan groups, that's really where that all goes. And Pro Stock Motorcycle, Gage Herrera had an 8 trillion point lead, and that's been cut down to 29 over Matt Smith, uh, Hector Ronas third, Eddie Krawick, Angie Smith, Steve Johnson, Chase Van Zandt, uh, Mark Ingwersen, uh, round out the riders within inside of 100 points. Uh, Ivaristo, Klontz, Ayler, and Bostic all make it into the countdown there, so 12 riders there. In the Lucas Oil Drag Racing Series, in top alcohol dragster, Julie Natis leads by 21 points over Anthony Wayne Stewart. Uh, he's won one less divisional race so far, this year so that's in his favor uh oh he hit the post and he made it oh man tyler bass hits the post but makes the field goal and they're leading the game by two with two seconds left that is insane oh Uh, man i just saw that (laughs) um that is crazy um josh allen did not play well today but uh he's gonna get out of here with a w because of tyler bass um, Extreme comes back in Sardinia for the first time in a few months. Uh, the Aconia Sa- Science team at Layla Sands and Matias Ekstrom leads the Rossberg uh, team by four points, and they're up on uh, Veloce, uh, the Veloce team of Molly Taylor, Kevin Hansen by 14. Uh, we'll, uh, fourth in points is the Hummer EV Ganassi team, Amanda Sorensen and RJ Anderson. The Vita, X44 Vita Carbon team of Christina Gutierrez and Fraser McConnell in fifth. They need to make uh, basically anybody that's from fourth on back need to make a miracle happen to compete and to have a chance at the championship uh, with two rounds uh, left. Um, the Andretti team, Katie Munnings and Timmy Hansen is in sixth. The McLaren team seventh, apt eighth. The Carl Cox Motorsports team with Leah Block, and then uh, the Jensen Button team, they're both uh, tied for last in ninth and 10th. Okay, IMSA at Indianapolis, all, as I mentioned, all the uh, classes will be racing there at Indianapolis. It's basically a dress rehearsal for next year's Enduro. Uh, first time in nine years they've raced there. Uh, it'll be a two-hour, 40-minute race, so it'll be quick. And then, uh, yeah, so and they'll have the race on, on NBC, so that's that's cool. Um, 
the usual suspects 48 cars 10 prototypes uh you have porsches the two you have the two porsche factory cars you have the two porsche privateers cadillac has their two one from ganassi and one from uh what do you call wheel and engineering the acuras from meyer shank and uh Conica Minolta, Andretti, uh, whatever, Wayne Taylor, Andretti, and then uh, the two BMWs. In LMP2, there's six, uh, seven entries, uh, CrowdStrike Racing, uh, Tower Motorsports, two cars from TDS, Aero Motorsports, High Class, and PR1 Matheson, and uh, Buffalo gets out. Oh, no, they're going to overtime. Yeah, it's a tie. Oh, I didn't see that. Overtime, yeah. Did they miss an... Did they miss an extra point? Is that what it was? No, I they must... they were going for the game tying field goal to send it to overtime, and he uh, hit the upright and it made it in. Yeah, it's gonna but... go. Oh, you mean it... like how do they get to the how tie? How did the Jets? Because the fact is, the Jets had to. They they had a chance to take the lead, I thought, or something. Uh I'd have to look. I don't at know the if they missed. I don't know if they missed the extra point or not. But uh, LMP three will have nine cars racing in uh, that category gt pro will have five the corvette the faf motorsports porsche faster solving lexus aston martin part racing and the WeatherTech mercedes and then gtd will have uh 17 entries uh the biggest uh group of the uh the vast majority of the cars in that uh, race there's 17 of the 48 that will be in the field so it'll be interesting to see indianapolis wide racetrack um with the traffic it's gonna be a busy race for sure uh, i wish they would bring back the banking uh, like they used to have it'll make it cooler but whatever that's just me uh the last thing we'll get into is the Sandown 500 the first time in three four years that they've had the Sandown 500 uh, classic enduro um, ford finally had a, a glimpse a light at the end of the tunnel it seems uh with the last round but will that matter i don't know brody kostecki leads the championship by 137 points over shane van gisbergen brock feeney and will brown round out the top four the two teams uh erebus and red bull uh the top four uh drivers there uh, Chaz Mostert, the leading Ford in fifth. Cam Waters, second Ford there in sixth. So something to look at there. Uh, the You have uh, popular... Oh, nice. Yeah, she's good looking. Um, yeah, Lee Holdsworth uh, back with Chaz Mostert. So that's a very strong uh, driver duo there uh, to race in the Sandown 500. Uh talking about you know strong lineups getting in and at least these uh, second drivers get to get a race in before going to bathurst which i think is a huge uh, huge key for them uh so that'll be cool we'll talk about that can ford get a win here leading into bathurst um to salvage what has been a god-awful season uh for the ford camp in uh, supercars all right so formula one uh, they'll be racing at Singapore this coming weekend. Uh, they've made changes to the the circuit at Singapore. They've gotten rid of uh, a few corners uh, there because of construction. So that's um. So we'll see how that affects 
the racing. I think they'll have it'll be a little uh, quicker laps. They're saying there's going to be uh, less tire dag and um, aero downforce wise, they could run slightly less downforce. But in all of this, uh, it's the same old, same old. Um, I think so. I picked first last week, so Josh, you get first dibs here. Uh, who do you pick for the Singapore Grand Prix uh, for your winner and podium? Well, of course, we pick Max Verstappen to win, um, and then beyond that, um, yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with uh, um, Charles Leclerc. Well, no, no, I don't. I take that back. Not Charles Leclerc. Uh, I want Carlos Sainz in second. And then um, Checo Perez in third. Checo Perez in third. Uh, I'll uh, I'll go in uh, second. The Fish Lips pick uh, to go and continue this winning streak that F1 Media and all these people are trying to force down our throat like it's some sort of amazing thing um, because he has the personality of cardboard and he's a tool. Uh, so yeah, Fish Lips to win. I'll go with um I'll go with Lando Lando Norris in second. Norris in second and I will go with um what is it? Uh I'll go with Charles Leclerc in third. Oh man, that's a huge return. Oh, he's yeah. going to the house. He's going to the house. Oh, the is Jets, it <laughs> The Jets have won in overtime with a punt <laughs> return. Oh, they might have hurt they might have hurt Bob Sala there. Gotta make sure uh my goodness um all hail the new york chest <laughs> the the, the freaking sean mcdermott special teams uh a longtime special teams coach and uh his special teams was questionable today tyler bass i mean needed a miracle doink off the the post to get in overtime and then they their coverage today was atrocious so um credit to the jets they may not have a quarterback, but they have a lot of other pieces in place. Uh, my third-place finisher will be Charles Leclerc. Um, I mean, I guess we are, this is 9-11, 22 years uh, since the tragedy, the uh, horrible events of that that day, and uh, playing in New York uh, for the Jets to go and uh, Unbelievable. get Unbelievable. I mean, that was just horrendous coverage. Did he okie doke that whoever that guy was in front of him was like like half speed? They like they're not even running. Like they're all looking back. They're like, what the heck is going on? Like that is one of the worst jobs of covering a punt like I've seen in recent memory. I mean, my goodness. Oh boy. No. Who did who did the Jets last year? Did they play against the Patriots? And then the Patriots ran back a punt return for the win last year? That I think sounds, so. That sounds about right. Yeah. And now they do it to the the Bills. Buffalo Bills. Wow. Man, I do not want to talk to Professor J right now. Um, <laughs> uh, I mean, it's not like Josh Allen played well, so it's you gotta you gotta say, man. Okay. Um, all right. So let's um move on. I guess if you're if it's possible, uh, NASCAR trucks at Bristol. Uh, got picks. They'll be racing on Thursday night there, weather permitting, of course. Uh, trying to get through all that. Um, truck series, the UNOH 238 trucks for 36 spots. Uh, Sawalich in the one truck. 
they don't have anybody listed in the zero two as of now. Uh, what you call? Uh, you guys, uh, Carson Quapel in the seven for Spire. Um, go through some other news. Another boy, Greg Van Alst in the twenty. Stephen Malazzi will be racing for AM Racing in an Outback Steakhouse Ford. Uh, shows how great social media is if you push hard enough there. Uh, go Mason Maggio will be in the 33 for Ryum. You got you have Bailey Curry in the 41. Danny Bone will be in the 44 truck for Nice. Jack Wood in uh, the 51 for Kyle Busch Motorsports. Timmy Hill racing the Family 56. Jake Drew in the second uh, Hattori truck. Connor Jones. Uh, 66 for Thor Sport. Parker Kligerman actually racing um, in the Henderson Motorsports 75. Of course, it's a home game for that team. Uh, Justin Carroll and their family number 90. Ty Majeski, Ben Rhodes there. So 38 for 36. Uh, start of the second round. Uh, I'm going to go and pick. I'm going to pick uh, Corey Heim to win. Uh, the this first race of the 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 second round and lock themselves in a phoenix my wild card pick for this uh race will be uh parker kligerman because why not they're a limited schedule he's got good mojo going he's uh the henderson motorsports team has a history of running well back in the day of course at bristol uh so we'll see what happens with that so those are my choices um definitely figure a playoff driver is going to win though um let's say you josh for the truck series there yeah i can definitely uh see that point that yeah the truck series winner uh playoff contender uh will win um so i'm yeah uh i was gonna go with yeah i'll go with uh carson hosevar in this i'll pick him um you know he's definitely done done a good job this year and you know i I mean, he's been better on the mile and a half, I think, but, you know, let's see what he can do on a uh, a short track here. So we'll go with him, and then um, I guess by wild card, uh, you pick Parker. So I, I'll go with, you know, I'll go with Roger Cruz. We haven't picked him as a wild card in a bit, so, you know, why not? So um, he's um, a decent driver, I think, and, you know, we'll see if he, if he can do well on Bristol here. And is it Wednesday or Thursday night that they're racing? Thursday night. Thursday. Thursday so. night. Yeah, I mean, and one other person I would say that we both uh, didn't take, but I think would be a definite uh, guy to look at if everything falls the right way is um, Carson Quapel. Uh He is very fast. Uh, he is one of the best young talents in in uh, short, short track racing right now. Uh, Alabama man is his father, the former Truck Series champion. So, uh, I mean, Junior has a lot invested in him i figure carson quapel if he isn't in an xfinity car uh here and probably isn't gonna get an xfinity car next year part-time but i think he'll be in a truck uh i think kyle bush motorsports and them will probably do some business i would think uh to get him some experience there so that's somebody to look at for bristol to go and get that victory uh because he's got bono as his crew chief and the Spire team. All right, so Xfinity Series, the Food City 300, uh, 39 cars for 38 spots uh, in in that event. It'll be on Friday night. Got uh, 
Yeah, Perkins and Weatherman and Poole in the JDs. Stefan Parsons and Chad Fincham for SS Greenlight. Uh, Daniel Hemrick, as mentioned, will be in the 10 for the remainder of the season because they're in the owners' championship. Derek Krause uh, in the 11 or whoever they'll be having there. Uh, Trevor Bain will be in the 19 for Gibbs. Uh, Connor Mozak in the 24. I think uh, uh, nobody's listed in the 35 yet for Emerlyn Gase. Joe Graf back in the 38 for RSS. Uh, Rajah Karuth in the 44 for Alpha Prime after a brutal race last weekend at Kansas. Uh, Jeffrey Earnhardt in the 45 again. Uh, nobody in the 53 for Emerlyn Gase either. Timmy Hill uh, making an attempt for, for MBM. Carl Long. Dale Jr. making one of his two starts that he'll make this round in the in this uh, first round of the Xfinity playoffs, or say, I think no, it's not. Uh, I have to look at the schedule, but he's going to make two starts here he's in the at next the few weeks. Homestead, he's making well. Homestead in the Bass Pro Shops, and this one in the Hellman's car. Hellman's car. So yeah, so that's the big storyline of uh, this race. Uh, Josh, it's wide open for you. Are you going to pick uh, pick your guy to go and get off the couch? and uh win or are we looking at the usual suspects uh on friday night i don't know if i'm picking for a win but uh, i'll pick um i have to roll with uh the usual suspects i think for a win and um you know i'll i'll go i'll go uh uh john hunter nemechek to open the playoffs with the win and i'll say that dale jr uh in the the hellman's mayo car as a a wild card and everything. I think he's going to have good pace. He's good at Bristol and, and, you know, expect him to, you know, run pretty well for, you know, what he's able to, what he's able to do in that car. So, um, you know, expect him to, you know, be up there with the regulars and everything. And, you know, he ran, he ran at, uh, uh, Florence recently in South Carolina and got a top 10 run there in the car store. So, um, probably using that as prep, uh, to run Bristol, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes, but yeah, definitely excited for him to make his return back to the Xfinity Series this weekend. Yeah, definitely something to look forward to and see uh, old Junebug getting back behind the wheel. Uh, I mean, obviously a solid choice there with John Hunter uh, to win. He's been on a roll here recently, and for me, I'm going to go with. And it's not based on anything that's, I mean, recent trends. I just, you know, at some point, Josh Berry has to win a race. I, it's it's just, to me, I don't know how he hasn't, other than, you know, happenstance, circumstance, all these different things going on and bad luck and whatever. But um, uh, I think Josh Berry finally ends his uh, uh, winless streak. So in 2023, he gets out there and gets his first win of the season, which would be massive for, uh, the A team and junior motorsports. Uh, so that'll be something if that actually happens. And, um, I'm going to go with, uh, paper boy Parker Retzloff as my wild card, uh, because he's been on a roll as well. He's been running really well for Jordan Anderson racing. So, uh, Josh Berry to win, um, Retzla Parker Retzloff wild card. Um, the Jordan Anderson team has made huge progress here. 
this season and Parker's got a lot of potential there. So it's something to look at there uh, on Friday night. All right. So the last, last uh, race we'll get into is the, is the Bass Pro Shop uh, Night R- Americas, Johnny Morris Bass Pro Shop Americas Night Race. And why can't they just call it the Food City 500 again? Uh, that that worked. Um, they'll be practicing qualifying Friday afternoon. And then, of course, they'll race on Saturday night. You got 36, so no, but no DNQs there. I'm trying to go through your Worldwide Express for Chastain, Sindrick with Menards. And monster, okay. Uh, bald spot with Bass Pro Shops, gear wrench on Kevin Harvick, car Brad Keselowski, Castro Ledge, Nagu for Corey LaJoy, Cheddars and Alsco for Kyle Bush. Um, Eric Almirola have IHOP back after he had Whataburger on last week. Uh, FedEx Freight for Denny Hamlin, Advance for Brian Blaney, Rush Truck Centers and Cummins for Chase Briscoe. No sponsors listed for J.J. Ailey or A.J. Allmendinger. Bill Submarines for Christopher Busher. Uh, Bass Pro as well for Martin Truex. Nothing listed for Christopher Bell. Uh, Notocraft Quick Lane for Addison Burton. Columbia Sportswear back on for the t- for Bubba Wallace in the 23. Nothing listed for William Byron. Or Justin Haley. Loves and Dalo for Michael McDowell in a Hail Mary situation for him. Uh, Todd Gillen with Speedy Cash. Operating Engineers whatever that is, for Ryan Priest. Eric Jones will be running the U.S. Air Force car. Tyler Reddick will be running the Jordan brand 45. Scott's brand for O'Richard. Biohaven, Jacob Companies for Cold Custard in the 51. Monster Energy for Keebler. Gainbridge on the 77 for Ty Dillon. B.J. McLeod, nothing listed for him. Aerial Recovery for Daniel Suarez. Okay, so... It's a cutoff race. Uh, guys that need to make it in uh, need help. You know, some guys that are out. You know, you got seven points between Kevin Harvick and uh, and uh, Martin Truex. You have Joey Logano's plus twelve. You have Busher and Bell plus thirteen. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with a kind of a pseudo upset, pseudo wild card pick. Uh, I'm gonna go with uh with Kevin Harvick to win. Kevin Harvick uh wins at Bristol to um get a win in his final year and advance into the round of twelve. My uh wild card selection for uh Saturday night's race, uh, based on no um there's no like metric or anything I'm using for this. I am going to go I'm gonna go with I'm. A, I'll go with uh, Suarez. I'll go with Daniel Suarez. I mean, he's had good history. I mean, he's done better on the dirt at Bristol here in recent years, but uh, he seems to have a knack for the concrete racetracks. Um, he had a. He was. He put himself in the mix last week. Him and Travis Mack. They're trying to give themselves a shot uh, to win their the race. Uh, so we'll see what happens with that. So I'm picking Kevin Harvick. Uh, how about you, Josh? Um, and I guess the other question, uh, who do you see making it in uh, and who gets eliminated? I So basically I'm saying Kevin Harvick makes it in. Uh, when it comes to the point standings, I believe Martin Truex stays. I believe that Joey Logano gets knocked out, and I say 
Joey Logano is the one that gets knocked out. Um, Kevin Harvick wins, and Martin Truex gets back in. Joey Logano, the defending series champion, will not make the round of 12. Uh, after So it should be big, crazy uh, deal there, but the pace shows... Um, I mean, it could be it could be Joey Logano wins his race, comes out of nowhere and does it, but uh, that's who I think will um, get knocked out. Uh, who do you pick for your winner and wild card, and who makes it in and who falls out, Josh? Yeah, that's a solid pick there. And I mean, first I'll get my winner. Um, yeah, I'll go with another kind of pseudo upset, uh, but maybe a little bit more or less of an upset, uh, more likely. Uh, Brad Keselowski goes out and wins. Uh, you know, finally, first victory for what's now known as RFK Racing. Uh, and, you know, Brad has done good on the concrete tracks as of late. They had, as a team, ran well here last year. And then, uh, you know, ran well at Dover, you know, which is, you know, very similar in some ways to Bristol. So had a top 10 run there. So I'm going to pick Brad Keselowski. Uh, and then, you know, my wild card. You know, looking at this, you know, looking at who's good, because I feel like, you know, if you take away the dirt, I I feel like you can't really factor in dirt Bristol other than the fact that it's Bristol and it's, you know, just so different, you know, it takes an entirely different skill set to win there. But uh, I'll go with a kind of a interesting pick here and, you know, I'll go with, um, you know, Eric Jones. Uh, Eric Jones has been pretty good, you know, as of late and, um, you know, I want to see, you know, how he can how he can run here, you know, has um, kind of been okay. You know, hasn't been great this year, 27th in the standings, but, you know, last few races it's definitely uh, had slightly better results, you know, since uh, Watkins Glen. So, you know, we'll see. We'll see what they do uh, here, you know, this weekend. So, um, you got that. And then um, for elimination um, and who makes it in, uh, you know, I'm going to say – I'm going to say it stays the same. I I think Churex doesn't make it in, uh, and Joey Logano somehow squeaks his way in, and Harvick, uh, I think Harvick still um, makes it into the playoffs. So I think it stays the same. So, you know, I think Bubba, it's a tall order for him. I mean, he's got to win. This is, you know, winner in. I mean, it's possible, but I don't really see it happening. Um, And, you know, McDowell, you know, even tougher deficit and Stenhouse, you know, kind of in the same position there. So yeah, that's, I think it stays the same and we see the field as it is, you know, move on. Yeah, And uh, I mean, we uh, definitely, I mean, we forgot, I don't know, it must've, I forgot that there was a truck race last week, but give yeah, we credit did. to, but give credit to you, Josh, you were, you picked, you picked the winner in, in the IndyCar Xfinity and the, cup race uh this past weekend oh man uh, i was close i finished i picked the guy who finished third in indycar uh i picked uh yeah barry i had the guy as a who ended up finishing second we both picked parker kligerman but you know i think that was kind of a straightforward one i picked the guy that finished second in the cup race as well so i was close but you were yeah you were three for three so um uh yeah, that's that's pretty interesting because I feel like this year I feel like I've been off in the picks like somewhat. 
You know, haven't been they haven't hit as much as they had in the years past. But damn, I don't think I've ever done three for three. <laughs> I should have yeah, bet those. <laughs> yeah, I know. I was I was looking back at it and I was gonna go and do my thumbs up emoji thing, and I'm looking back. I'm like, holy crap, you went three for three. So uh, uh, if you're definitely, I always say this: if you're if you are in a betting and you listen to the show, you're more likely to hit with Josh's picks than mine. But uh, that's so keep that in mind. Uh, picked uh, Fish Lips, Carlos Sainz, and Checo for Singapore. Corey Heim or Carson Hosevar and Raja Karuth into trucks. John Hunter Nemechek and June Bug in Xfinity. And Brad Keselowski and Eric Jones for the Cup Series race at Bristol, along with Martin Truex Jr. getting eliminated. So keep that all in mind. Uh, Josh, uh, on top of being a great prognosticator, you're great at uh, sim racing. So let's uh, hear about what going on in the world of iRacing and uh, gaming in the sim segment. Yeah, of course. And, you know, we talked about iRacing last week, all the new content that was coming uh, for season four and, you know, got a chance to, you know, participate in some of that. Uh, The uh, Acura ARX GTP, uh, the flavor from Wayne Taylor Racing uh, is out on iRacing now, along with you know the other GTP classes. So now, now we have a full full set, like I talked about. So I ran. They had some uh, series, you know, fifteen minute races uh, throughout the week on on there, and they ran some at you know Daytona on the road course, and definitely tried that. So um, you know, hopefully, I can have an opportunity to because um, I actually need to get back into the B license you know, license class to be able to participate in C class and road, road racing right now. So I'm going to have to, um, cause I, I've had some bad, I was B class and I got demoted cause I had some bad runs, uh, with, um, Mazda and MX five, but, um, I'm close to getting back into it. So, uh, you know, should be able to get back into it soon. And then, you know, they're running the IMSA I racing series now, along with, um, some of the, yeah, other racing series and, uh, there, so you've got the IMSA Endurance Series and you got the IMSA I Racing Series. Uh, I actually haven't seen what differentiate. Uh, something fell over in my house. I just heard, but it, I'm okay. But um, uh, I'm trying to figure out what the differentiation is between what the because it looks like it's just oh, 160 minutes for the IMSA Endurance Series and then the IMSA I Racing Series is. Uh, on iRacing is a 45 minute. So you have a 45 minute timed race and then a 160 minute longer feature race. So for Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and I think that's going to be the format for the rest of the year. So, uh, or the, you know, this season on iRacing. So that's pretty interesting there. Definitely, um, going to have to get into that. Um, but, you know, looking to, you know, definitely compete in some of these, you know, endurance races and GTP class on maybe, you know, if I, feel like i have enough pace we'll definitely try to enter the uh rolex 24 on iRacing which i think i'm i'm i think i'm gonna do it as i just have to make sure that uh i have the time to do it uh, and everything and if i don't do it in gtp definitely gonna look at like one of the gt3 classes to com- or you know gt3 class one of the cars to compete in there and put in some time but that's you know something i've wanted to do for a while just haven't found the time to do it so i'm going to try to see if i can set aside time this time to do it um and then um yeah the other i racing series on there that's new you have this new mustang skip barber challenge running the ford mustang fr500 on there 
which actually this is an old car, but I guess they're making a new series for it. That's at VIR this weekend. So, and they run Circuit of the Americas, Sebring, Lime Rock Park, Indy, Indy Road, Spa, Silverstone, um, Laguna Seca. So all the road courses, uh, Road Atlanta, Sonoma Raceway, Donington Park, all the, I think, standard fair road courses that are on the iRacing schedule. Uh, GR Cup, Toyota GR Cup in the GR86. That's at Laguna Seca this week, so definitely have to look at that one uh, and everything. So those are probably the ones that I focus on this weekend. And, oh, yeah, Open Wheel C at uh, Limark Park as well, so the Indy Pro 2000 uh, series there. And then on iRacing, the, on the oval side, I think they've got the um, iRacing yeah, the iRacing series this weekend. They're doing a special event for the uh, Cup Series, um, racing the full-distance uh, Bristol race this weekend. So uh, that should be interesting. Um, got the uh, new Draft Master Series that we talked about. That's starting out at Daytona, and that's going to be in the Truck Series. Uh, and that's a 20-lap sprint race, so that should be interesting. Um Let's see, series infos, cautions on, cautions are disabled, so it's just a flat-out race, so uh, that's that's interesting, and it's ranked, so let's, let's uh, yeah, that that should be interesting, uh, no cautions, kind of like that, because uh, there'll probably be a lot of people taking sh- in themselves out of it, and then of course, you know, iRacing NASCAR series, you know, not the iRacing series, but just the regular, um, you know, fixed and open series at Bristol, uh, this weekend, Open Wheel C, IndyCar at uh, Auto Club, so definitely have to hit up that one. And then Gen 4 at Auto Club as well, so that's that's probably on the itinerary there as well. So, uh, yeah, that's yeah, definitely a lot of choices to go out in iRacing. Uh, didn't see the rain update this time, but that's okay. Definitely know that's a, a lot that could happen, um, you know, a lot for them to put out a big big release uh like that but uh you know before we close this part out let's see if we missed anything here on iRacing um going going on there uh just look at that real quick on iRacing reddit and see if i missed anything um let's see yeah uh yeah i think yeah i think that's it so um new season season four on iRacing and actually a We'll bring up, I think we did talk about the Super Formula class, but it seems like people were talking about that one being a cross between the F1 car and the Indy car. So Super Formula 23, which is, I think, a Japanese series uh, on iRacing. So um, that should be interesting. You might have to look at that. So Yeah, um, that's the series where um, Liam Lawson is racing right now. Yeah. Alex Blow came from Nick Cassidy, et cetera, et cetera. Some of the great, some great drivers have been in that. Uh, category over the years it's great open wheel category yeah but it's yeah, it's definitely a great category it looks i mean watching the videos definitely looks like it's you know kind of the best of indycar and f1 so um definitely gonna have to look at that and see how does that you know play out i have to get that content but yeah lots of new content on iRacing. you know we talked about it in the last couple of episodes but you know definitely looking forward to you know competing in them you know and for you know, for rank and everything like that. So, uh, looking forward to doing that. And of course, probably have to probably start streaming. I haven't really streamed in a bit, but have to do that, you know, to debut some of these new cars or whatever new series, but, um, 
definitely going to try to do that. Uh, maybe. So, um, yeah, the stream as always when it's on is Twitch TV, you sailor too, and go in there and follow. And then Twitter at JP Huffine, which, you know, definitely going to be talking about, you know, the playoffs and everything, talking about the Jaguars and all that stuff. So go on there. And then, uh, of course our YouTube channel, which, you know, we, um, have our episodes on, you know, go in there and watch Grip Share Podcast. So go in there, like, comment, and subscribe and everything. So, yeah, glad to be back for another week. Glad to, you know, be able to, um, you know, compete in fantasy. And, of course, you know, glad and happy to be one to know in both both of those and everything. And, you know, glad we got to see a kind of entertaining uh, comedic timing uh, ending there with the New York Jest and uh, the Buffalo Bills and everything. So uh, what a collapse for the Bills. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But uh, for the rest of the season for them. But, yeah, I'll let you finish off in the close. Yeah, Josh Allen, I'm talking to Professor Jay, and he's he is not happy uh, <laughs> talking about how bad Josh Allen played. Uh, three interceptions. Uh, I mean, outside of Joe Burrow and – whatever the Giants wanted to call, whatever that game was in Seattle. There's a few, but my goodness, uh, the Buffalo Bills were, were not prepared tonight. And uh, without, the Jets don't even have a quarterback, and they lost that football game. Uh, that's uh, something. But, yeah, Josh, uh, thanks as always. My uh, sidekick, my right-hand man, your teams are doing good so far. Um, got a lot of work to do early on got to keep on chopping to make the team better the team's better I, the 49ers though uh want to keep on upward trajectory got to win got to keep on winning go all the way to february that's the hope so uh keeping guys upright and the like now you can find me at pg matthew 28 you can find the show at grip strip pod on on x you can uh find us uh you can find me at phil g matthew 28 on instagram and um, find us on, as I said, the YouTube page with the the uh, streams here, the video feed, and you can find the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. We post on Podbean and also philipgmatthew.com. We'll be back next week for episode 187 of the Grip Trip Podcast to go into a very busy roundup, uh, Formula One at uh, Singapore, uh, NASCAR triple header with the end of the cup, reg- the first round, the start of both the, the truck's second round and the Xfinity first round of the playoffs, and much, much more football week two. Uh, we'll get in all of that. So for Josh, I'm Phil. Thanks for listening to the Gripster Podcast. We'll be back uh, next week. So uh, take care and uh, see you around the corner.